0: It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Jason Snell has the week off. He's traveling down to New Zealand. So Dan Morin fills in with Andy Yanako and Alex Lindsay. We'll talk about the Supreme Court arguments heard this morning. We want to protect Section 230, Apple's secret AI event, plus their less-than-secret gaming event. (laughs) And, yes, you've been waiting for it all this time. Windows comes to Apple Silicon. It's all coming up next on MacBreak Weekly. Podcasts you love.
1: From people you trust.
0: This, this is Twit. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 858, recorded Tuesday, February 21st, 2023. Leave the knife in. This episode of MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by Melissa. Over 10,000 clients worldwide in industries like retail, education, healthcare, insurance, finance, and government rely on Melissa for full-spectrum data quality and ID verification software. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com. And by 8Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer, and the pod cover is the ultimate sleep machine. Go to 8sleep.com slash twit to check out the pod cover and save $150 at checkout. 8sleep currently ships within the U.S., Canada, the U.K., select countries in the E.U., and Australia. Thanks for listening to this show as an ad-supported network. We are always looking for new partners with products and services that will benefit our qualified audience. Are you ready to grow your business? Reach out to advertise at twit.tv and launch your campaign now. It's time for Mac Break Weekly, the show where we cover the latest news or snooze from Apple. Uh, Mr. Snell has the week off, but new proud papa is here. Dan Morin filling in his six colors cohort hello dan
1: hello good to be here i'm glad i can uh you know take jason's place but only temporarily no one can replace him permanently
0: believe me i've tried uh jason will also be out next week but next week uh dan we're not going to make you fill in we've actually got an interesting person for next week whose name escapes me (laughs) who is it john ashley Let's, let's let's leave it a surprise. A surprise, a surprise. okay, a surprise. okay. Well worth tuning in for. I Leo supposes, not knowing for sure. Hello, it's M- Liza. It's Liza Sorry. Minnelli. No, it's not. Hello, Mister Andy Yanako. How are you? Hanging in, hanging on. Good. That's pretty much all it is. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Good to see you from WGBH in Boston and uh, points east. Also from uh, the Bay Area, Mister Alex Lindsay. Hello. Dot media and officehours.global. Hello. Good morning. How are things?
2: They're doing well. i just back from Pennsylvania.
0: Ah, nice. Yeah, Mr. Snell is in uh, New Zealand, right, Dan?
2: Yeah, that's right. He's all the way on the other side of the world.
1: That's how far he had to go. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just to get away from all just of it. Just to get away. away.
0: <laughs> well, we, we, we'll be glad to get him back in the... In, Three weeks, but uh, for now, I think we have an excellent substitution. I was gonna ask you dan you your latest book, the Bayern agenda excellent read. you have a very good reader for these oh thank you and Victor uh, victor baveen do yeah. you do you pay Victor to do that, or is it doing it out of the goodness of his I, own heart?
1: No, I mean <laughs> he is paid by um the publisher of the audiobook,
0: ah nice
1: uh, okay. and he has done all three
0: of my yeah, books from Angry really Robot. Good. yeah. Yeah, he's great. Angry Robot is a publisher, so uh, so okay. Then it's really not. I was gonna ask you if you'd listen to the Apple uh, AI voices and whether you would consider those uh, <laughs> instead of Victor. But since you don't pay him, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and I I have listened to the samples that they had on their website, and uh, I mean, good as they are, I I that's a complex thing. I, I don't think I would do it for me no. because I I like supporting you know audiobook narrators i think they are great at what they Thank do Thank you, good man yeah that's right can't, can't just replace people who talk on the internet with robot voices no people talking on the internet <laughs> let me tell you is
0: unduplicatable the robot voices are pretty dang good though i gotta say they're good uh but i, not I as realized good as there's a,
2: i've been watching more and more youtube videos and realizing they're using an, a digital voice yeah. for it and it's like a style oh, yeah. now like there's a style yeah. of and i, I think comes, a lot of times it's english English for the second language for the person who's making it and they throw it in and it, but I like all the little like five minute crafts or whatever. Those are all, um, (laughs) this digital woman
0: that does. Yeah. That's because of TikTok. I think that, you know, yeah. Also, it might even be this TikTok because,
3: lady. I wouldn't be surprised if they reused her voice yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. I don't like that. Voice. And, and, and also because this is all this is all like uh, bot, almost uh, bot-generated content where they will flag, oh, here's a here's a here's a website, here's a web article we found that we could tra- we could transform uh, mm-hmm. without paying the original author into into YouTube short content or TikTok content. Let's just like do a, do sort of like a a bunch of screen grabs from the video, make that into uh, into a slideshow, and then just have an AI like recite what was written underneath it it's like that's the uh, it's gonna it's be it's gonna get a lot more difficult to reject those things when uh when uh when the ai voices become like really 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 good because oftentimes i will be thinking oh damn like is uh how do how do i make tofu uh mm-hmm. like in, in a microwave or whatever and i'll see a video and i'll and it looks like okay well here's how to make exactly what i was looking for how to make tofu in a, in a microwave and i'll say Tofu, tofu is very easy to make in a microwave oven. Saving, okay, click next next one because this is, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen to me, my microwave, or my kitchen if I actually follow these instructions. Here from uh, Netflix is the woman who, whose but voice.
2: can buy a lot of nice. <laughs>
0: Beep. <laughs> That's the woman who's uh, the TikTok voice. Uh, and I feel kind of bad because in the Netflix, you can keep keep going with it. Oh, you missed it. In the attic. Uh, in the uh, t- my
2: childhood was difficult. I wasn't like the other little girls. I want to be where the people are.
0: I, I hate to- this voice. In the TikTok. In the Netflix uh, synopsis of this, uh meet Amelia, the woman behind the famous text-to-speech feature. Speaks ever, out, out about her catapulting rise to fame after years of failed voiceover work. The, the, the <laughs> That's very, great. great. The so very great. first comment is. Not many voices make me literally go into a rage and this is one of them. And I'm kinda
3: kinda <laughs> withered. Ho-
0: I don't it's that ing at the end and I, don't, I, I, I don't I, like think, I think the, I the interesting never thing though is
2: down a job. Nine one one, what's your emergency?
0: You don't Actually, you know what? Maybe this is room. parody. I am a real person. I think it's parody. Okay, never mind then. That poor the <laughs> <laughs> um, what was i gonna say <laughs> oh oh, that oh was funny. first of all happy mardi gras it's fat tuesday Fat mm-hmm. tuesday yes uh we're going to a uh, a little mardi gras festivity in petaluma tonight uh at the uh, they call it the block but it's just where a bunch of food trucks gather <laughs> so i guess i'll be having jambalaya and les, les bonton roulette at the food truck in uh, downtown Petaluma tonight. Uh, so happy uh, Fat Tuesday to all of you. Uh, also, this morning I was up early because uh, this was the morning f- where the uh, Internet was on trial at the Supreme Court of the United States of America. <laughs> and uh, it's un- unclear whether we won- won't know till April if the Internet has won or not. But this is uh, the, fa- the, face Gonzalez, the case Gonzalez versus Google. Uh, sad, I mean, it's a sad story. The family of a woman who was killed in an ISIS attack uh, in Paris uh, in, I think, 2015, suing Google because they say, well, you recommended ISIS videos and, and and you're radicalizing people. They, I don't think they even had evidence that the people who killed their daughter had anything to do with those radicalizing videos on Google. Nevertheless, the case has wound its way up to the Supreme Court. And I spent a fun morning... <laughs> Listen, listening to the Supreme Court uh, justices try to figure out how the Internet works. Actually, my, series of tubes. Yeah, is, my favorite quote was uh, Elena Kagan. Justice Kagan said something like, uh, what did she say? Uh, These are not the nine greatest experts on the Internet sitting here in front of you. <laughs> no kidding. But they asked some pretty good questions because they're really trying to figure out. Well, for instance, for instance, is is so they they acknowledge Google has and the section 230 protects them from the Isis uploaded the Isis videos right they take them down but what they don't have to they're protected there but here's the question if Google puts a thumbnail of an Isis video on a page any page are they now publishing the video they're actually asking this question because they made the thumbnail which of
3: course they didn't they're 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 also investigating the idea of does the fact that they are specifically recommending videos to specific people does that give them does that does that make them not a distributor but now an editorial publisher and that they are picking and choosing right. what people should see there's a, a it's it's one of those horrible situations in which that's a really good point and the Supreme Court should be considering that. While I'm thinking, oh, my God, please don't touch Section 230. Please, please, please don't touch. <laughs> I was Because you know how bad this is going to come. I was encouraged. Despite Justice Kagan's comment,
0: I was encouraged that they seemed to actually understand. In fact, one of them even said, wouldn't there be a, a huge consequence uh, to the economy if, if, we, if we in some way dismantled yeah, Section the, 230? The, any, any change to 230 could op- – it's one
2: of those things like you have no idea. Uh, we have a term in production a lot of times. Something's not quite right, and – Someone will say, what should we do with it? We're just like, leave the knife in. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, leave like, the I knife in, this. that's right. You know, like <laughs> leave the knife in. Always it's just, bad it's just like you pull know. the
0: arrow out. Always bad. Never wear it. Never you know, like well. it's like, yeah. it's
2: like, it, it, it may look bad right now, but it could get so much worse so quickly. And, and I think that the unintended, we kind of know what we have right now. And we even have the tinkering that's already happened with the laws. That that I think that pulling, you know, pulling at this one is really complicated and so much of the foundational work of everything that's on the Internet uh, is so tied to it that I think that, you know, changing it in almost any way could cause a lot of trouble. I do think it's really interesting. I think that when it did open up Google and Facebook and when they started and Twitter, they avoided it for a long time of taking anything off. You know they could they could downgrade it they could do other things but they didn't want to block anything because they were afraid that it was going to come up of now they're a publisher as soon as they start taking things off the internet well that's what section two thirty
0: protects them for in fact it It allows allows them to moderate allows me to moderate there's two things that two thirty does it doesn't you could it protects you against liability for something somebody publishes in our IRC and it protects me for liability from me taking it down. They can't sue me for 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 uh, blocking their speech. So it has it has both directions, and I think it is and very important. We wouldn't have a chat room, we wouldn't have a Discord, we wouldn't have right. comments. I wouldn't have a forum if if there were no Section Two Thirty because we just get sued all the time.
2: Right, and 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 I think that it's been astutely pointed out that the smaller smaller organizations or anyone wanting to do something new right. are the ones that hit the hardest with exactly. this because the. Yep. I mean, GDPR is a huge problem, you know, unfortunately, right, yeah. it hasn't been uh, used very much. Like it hasn't been prosecuted that much. But the 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 when you build a new website and you're a small company, you know, you really have to think through all those things now because you could theoretically get put under really, really <laughs> fast with the level of fines that are really aimed at the Googles and the Facebooks. But the the collateral damage is potentially very high. So far, they just haven't yeah. they haven't enforced it, which has allowed a lot of companies to to kind of find their way to
3: it. So, yeah. Even if you don't get fined, uh, the the cost of basically uh, defending the only way is, to c- is deal, prohibitive. Well, no, not 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 the even defending. Yeah. Exactly, that's exactly Dan. Like you have to have a compliance officer basically to head off these problems before they before they exist. And the and the idea that a lot of these startups are on a shoestring anyway. You have you have CEOs who are sleeping in the parking lot overnight. They can't afford to take on that extra expense. So this is why it's uh, like like so many of the th- of the uh, proposals to reform the internet and give and more responsibility. And more control back to the users, uh, like the idea of uh, uh, like the idea of uh, making sure that uh, small publishers get paid by Google, get paid by Facebook. A lot of these things only wind up benefiting the people, the organizations that already have an immense amount of control, uh, because oftentimes these are the only people who can afford to play in the this brand new swimming pool the courts are creating. Even these lawsuits about, uh, again, let's ha- let's have uh, uh, let's let's have Facebook and Google pay like small newspapers and small magazines uh, for reusing their content. The people who are create, who are who are uh, who are instigating these lawsuits are news corpus, like these these huge huge international communications conglomerates that have basically bought up, every single newspaper, every single TV show, every single publication, and they're the ones who are going to benefit from this. It's not going to mean that your local newspaper is now going to be able to survive again. It means that the people who put them out of business will be able to get a little bit more money. Now, it's a real
1: Rube Goldberg machine almost, right? Like you start, you you change one (laughs) thing and it's the ball starts rolling. That knife comes out. The whole your silverware is all knocked over. I don't know or whatever <laughs> you set up your Goldberg <laughs> machine to do, but it's got like the consequences are just unforeseen, right? Like so much of our the internet is built on kind of just this all this agreement, this tacit agreement that everyone's had. It's like this is the way it's going to work, and it's amazing that it works as well as it
3: does. Yeah. <laughs> not to say it works perfectly, but as well as it does, it's it's wishing on a monkey's paw. It'll it'll give you what you asked for, <laughs> right. but not what you wanted. <laughs> Well,
0: anyway, we'll we'll pay attention. There'll be another uh, argument tomorrow. There's another case that is uh, against uh, not only Google but Twitter and Facebook, uh, but does not, uh, according to experts, attack Section 230. We're trying to get Kathy Gellis on tomorrow for this week in Google. She w- wrote an amicus brief for uh, TechDirt uh, t- on this uh, case Gonzalez versus Google um, today. So we'll uh, we'll be very interested to see what happens. Obviously, it'll affect all of us. And I do, you know, I have to say, listening to the justices, you know, you never if you've listened to Supreme Court uh, arguments before, uh, you can't really tell how they're going to rule because they'll they'll play devil's advocate. They're really trying to tease out all of the uh, issues so you can't assume. But it sounded like they kind of understood the issues and the consequences of it. And uh, the attorney for the plaintiff at one point said, you don't have to worry about all these lawsuits. They're not going to happen. And I think one of the justices said. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, yeah. we can't really that's not that's how we understand. work exactly yeah. here is <laughs> you know, saying hey, you know, the we're going to change the law we don't have to people aren't going to pursue it it's not a big deal so my we'll,
1: tangential know. claim to fame was uh i used to as a teenager in an early 20 something i worked at harvard law library and one of my jobs was ferrying around books to the faculty office so i delivered books to elena kagan as well as a lot of other people who are like professors at Harvard at the time. Elizabeth Warren, Lawrence Tribe. Wow. I just wow. I would, brought the books on a little card around, handed them over. Uh, hello, so.
0: Mr. Tribe. Here's a book for you. <laughs> little did he it really know. really helped me out later in life. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, Kagan was quite, uh, I thought, astute in her uh, questioning. Um, well, we'll, we'll just wait and see. Uh, both the administration, President Biden and uh, Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, uh, enc- encouraging the Supreme Court to strike down 230. So uh, we got a we got we got a lot of uh, arrows coming our way. But let's hope. Cross your fingers. Yesterday, I did something kind of fun. Actually, I did it on uh, Saturday. Uh, I put Windows on my MacBook. Ooh, how exciting! It's <laughs> it's now official. Uh, you can use Windows on ARM <clears throat> in parallels, at least right now. Although I imagine uh, Fusion will VMware Fusion will catch up quick, but uh, Parallels right now is and Microsoft has officially acknowledged it uh, is an authorized solution for Windows on ARM <clears throat> on an M1 or M2 Macintosh, and I'm here to tell you it runs pretty sweet. It's pretty nice. I've run Windows on ARM in the past, and uh, you know, for a long time it was in beta. In fact, it's just now, I guess, official. Uh, and it really wasn't very a very good experience because so many even if the Microsoft programs didn't run. Uh, that has changed mm-hmm. a lot. There are a lot there are a number of Windows uh, machines that are running ARM, and Microsoft's put more attention into it, and it works pretty
3: well. I'm happy to say. So the so the the exceptions don't really uh, don't really affect your your day to day operation because I was reading I was reading through it and I know that the the, the transition to ARM is still like. Ongoing. Yeah. It's not, and done. It's not That's like for it, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so is, is the compatibility list pretty good? Like if you, the the reason why you, the reason why you decided to install uh, Windows on, a, on, a, on an M1 or M2 uh, MacBook must be because you needed to get certain solutions, certain apps that you couldn't get on the Mac. Have they made sure that you can get those apps running on, uh, on, on ARM for Windows? You know, I didn't look at a compatibility list. I
0: probably should. Everything I try, twi- but I'm using generic stuff like Microsoft Office. Uh that all right. works all the Microsoft apps work Edge works quite well. Um I'm sure Chrome works uh quite well. But yeah, you should obviously check to see if that one thing you want uh runs. What's nice is it runs pretty snappily. It does not feel like it's uh slow. It's not virtualized. It's uh it's something a little a little smarter.
1: Um, well, it, it seems like I mean good. this is probably the, you know the the sort of growing pains of Windows on ARM is probably one of the reasons why we haven't seen a replacement for Boot Camp.
0: I don't know if we ever will. I
1: think, I think yeah, we may not. I, Apple may not have it. It may not be in their interest, or they may just not have enough of a audience for it. I mean, if most people can get what they need done via Parallels, I mean, the biggest the biggest problem with things like Parallels and Fusion has always been running games if you want to run games on the Mac. And uh, that's never been a great solution for that in the first (laughs) place. And Apple would very much like you to believe that they care a lot about gaming and that you can just run those games natively on your Mac as soon as the game developers get around to actually making them.
0: Yeah, and if you want to run a game in this, don't, because it doesn't support DirectX 12 Uh, or OpenGL. uh, So games are right out. But what I think it's primarily for, and one of the things Parallels does very nicely is something called coherence mode. Which is if you had that one Windows app, you just, you just have to run. Uh, you can mm-hmm. run it in coherence mode where it's just a window next to your Mac yeah. Windows, uh, and it's just running, and uh, that's not too bad. I had to unfortunately I had to buy a, co- a license to Windows to, <laughs> which at 200 bucks hurts my heart. But uh, you know, I had, to, I had to see if it would run and how well it would run. I'll keep it on my uh, I'm, I' ran it on an M2 MacBook Pro with 24 gigs of RAM. It, it uh, took six gigs. Uh, that hmm. was the automatic setting for Windows, and it runs fine in six gigs. So uh, yeah, so it's, it's not been, something you necessarily want to run on your eight gig. Just, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> it's. I mean, this is one argument. If yeah. you're going to run Windows, this would be one argument to get more RAM in your uh, Mac or any virtual environment. It'd be, you know, that's yeah. that's a good reason to get more RAM because. But it runs pretty – I was surprised how snappy it was. I was able to play Solitaire just, you know, like that. It was great. It was,
2: <laughs> no, no problem. Free cell,
3: let's not, let's not lose our minds with free cell. But <laughs> Solitaire.
2: I think that most most of the Windows apps I have either wouldn't work at all because they're really yeah, heavy. or exactly. But a lot of them are glue. They're little things that we're using, and we have to have, like, oftentimes, like, a little B-Link or, or some yeah. kind of Nook or something that's running it. And I think those kinds of things will be great, you know, just to be able to have it on the Mac and have it running, running on those things. And, you know, the – Again, educational price four ninety nine, regular price five ninety nine. Entry level. If if you're going to turn it into something, isn't that bad? If you're just going to use it as a PC, like if you, even if you're just going to flip it over, um, and if you're going to run both of those things at sixteen gigs, it's probably for for smaller apps. It could work really well.
0: Ibu yeah. Cell had a good ch- uh, suggestion in the chat room. He said, if we turn the lights down twenty percent, we'd be able to recoup that hundred ninety nine dollars that I paid for Windows. So if you can, John Ashley, just <laughs> turn the thermostat down. Turn. The- Turn the lights down a little bit. we got to make that money back somehow. Put on a Monovati record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little mood music. Windows subsystem is- for Andrews, Android does not work. Windows subsystem for Linux does not work. The sandbox does not work. And virtualization-based security does not work. DirectX 12 is not supported. 32-bit ARM apps are not supported. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the list is probably pretty long of things that won't work. And I bet you most of the uh, pro apps that you use, Alex, would definitely not work but none of them will work yeah <laughs> but but the um but 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 the but again we have
2: a lot of little things that we use as glued as little controllers and right now we're, we're using very you know inexpensive little pcs that aren't that much less than just having a mac mini um and to be honest with you i'd rather have a mac mini that i knew i could repurpose later at some point um even if it was a hundred dollars more expensive yeah
3: a, a pair- most of the people that i know that Most of the people I know that are running boot camp or running Windows on Mac hardware are administrators, people who they want. They they just prefer the Mac hardware to do all their work on. Uh, And even if they're almost solely administrating uh, Windows and Linux workstations. And so a lot of the tools they need to maintain that network and to serve their users really is Windows only. and They have to speak the language of the people that they're serving. So it's not necess- it's not necessary. I mean, I think for most people, if you sp- if you already spent fifteen hundred dollars on a Mac laptop, probably the app that you want is that there's either a direct analog or the direct app available on the Mac. This it's, it's not 1989 anymore. Yeah. No. That's another I, good I was reason thinking not to bring back the... boot camp. Yeah. yeah
1: <laughs> I was thinking like, you know, it, it's very, I mean, this is sort of a, uh, like a deja vu and almost, I mean, when I started writing about Apple in the first place, professionally, it was during the intro transition. And when you could first run windows on your Mac, right. Because of the, uh, the processors and, I think the, the environment's changed a lot since then. In those days, it was like, Oh, see, now you can run, you can get real stuff done. You can run all these things that, you know, you otherwise couldn't run. And nowadays, like Andy said, there's either an analog or the, the things available. If not on the Mac, then on iOS oftentimes, like there are iOS clients, a lot of guys, cases of things that don't, you know, even exist on the Mac or web services, right? So much stuff has moved to things like web services or cross platform services that it's not as critical. It's nice for taking care of those little like, Last little like little linking pieces of software or whatever, but it's not. I, th- I think in in general, it's more
0: of a niche product than it was maybe 15 years ago. Microsoft does get credit in its <clears throat> press release for including the the registered uh, logo and the TM logo four times in one headline. It's very impressive. They clearly didn't want <laughs> Apple to get upset in any way about the use of the word Mac, Apple M1 or M2. Why is M1? A, a R and an M to a TM. That's kind of interesting. I'm sure there's a legal. Yeah, they didn't finish getting it registered yet. I don't yeah. Know. Is that weird? Or maybe so it seems unlike that you get the R once it's registered and the TM just means yeah. we're, a, yeah, that's probably what it is. It hasn't yet been approved. Yeah. This has been around. I mean, I, I, I put uh, parallels on uh, an early M one and ran the beta version of windows on arm. So people are saying, well, wait a minute, this isn't anything new that's been around forever. It's now official. That's the difference. Microsoft it's no longer a beta version of Windows on ARM. I asked Daniel Rabino, who was the editor-in-chief of Windows Central yesterday or uh, Sunday, why it took so long. Because there was some uh, speculation that Microsoft had some sort of exclusive deal with uh, Qualcomm. Because, of course, all the Windows on ARM computers are Qualcomm-based processors. Uh, and he said it's really not that. It's that it's the drivers. The drivers are all Qualcomm. And yeah. they had to mm-hmm. get drivers for... Apple Silicon. Apparently, that was non-trivial.
3: <clears throat> yeah. so. But there's, you know, there's even still a very, very vibrant Hackintosh community. So if they can, if they can figure out how to get Wi-Fi and Bluetooth going uh, on a, on an old Dell, I think that this is within the realm of Microsoft and Parallels. They did
0: it just in time for
3: the cheapskates who have paid for TurboTax on the PC.
0: They want to <laughs> put it on their Windows machine just in the nick of time for Tax Day, uh, twenty twenty-three. Anyway, you yeah, know, I mean it I should have I wasn't thinking I should have brought my uh, laptop in and showed you. I show I, I showed a, did a little demo on uh, Ask the tech guys on on Sunday so you can see that on Sunday, but uh, yeah, it works. I guess is the point and it'll work for those of you who, you know, it's still like I need I'm a realtor and I need the MLS app. You know, to mm-hmm. run on my M2 or something <laughs> yeah. like that. It's that kind of
3: uh, line of business. It's a, it's always fascinating, especially like when you look at uh, the market for certain vintage computers. Like there's an old when the classic uh, first uh, first laptops, the Epson H20 something like that. Uh, you, you see all kinds of laptops are just like it. They're going for uh, twenty bucks, thirty bucks, oh, 40 bucks. Just get rid of it for me. But these model, these specific models of Epsons are going for easy 200 to three hundred dollars when you can find them There's, it's easily what the m- money can spend for it and the reason why is because these devices are used as hardware controllers for like really really old pump stations and really really <laughs> old alarm stations and <laughs> yeah. so you can you can either totally you can either totally like rip out your entire pump controller station or you can basically find a new version find a new working version of this laptop when this old 1983 1984 laptop dies Lamborghinis are the same way the software to to tune it and control it is basically runs on a version of, I I think it's like actually locked hardware lock for security purposes to this one model of laptop. And that's why, again, like if if you were if you're at the MIT flea market and you see just this hopper full of like old 1990s Windows laptops and you find like this one like take the entire box for ten bucks this is all like e waste you will find this one you can get twenty thousand dollars for because it is a key <laughs> piece of diagnostic equipment for a half a million dollar supercar. Uh, let's take a little break when we come back. Apple had an
0: event, an event <laughs> that invited people to maybe. Jason Snell isn't really in New Zealand. He's just in Apple event land. I don't know. We will we will talk about the Apple event, uh, which I think mostly was YouTubers who went to in just a little bit. <laughs> but, but first, a word from our sponsor, Melissa. Melissa, uh, you've, you've heard me talk about Melissa. You've heard me call them the address experts. Really, it's it's a whole lot more. In fact, I think over the next few weeks when we talk about Melissa, in their ads we're going to talk a little bit about some of the other things Melissa has done. They've actually released a solutions catalog and I was amazed at the variety of things. It all revolves around customer data, customer uh, information. And when it comes, you know, when a customer comes to you and you and you get their data in their system, you want to make sure it's accurate. You want to keep it up to date. You want to make those address changes, the email changes, the name changes as they happen. And unfortunately, most businesses don't have any process in place to do that, which means that data is going to be going bad over time and costing you money. With Melissa, high-quality data can be achieved at the start. You can keep bad data from entering in your systems. You can streamline onboarding. You can combat fraud, gain a complete customer view for more informed business decisions, and you can keep that data up to date for as long as you use Melissa. So it's a really great solution that many businesses have found that saves them money keeps them on track. Of course, you'll want to verify customers and business data to make sure your records remain accurate, current, and complete. You can do that with Melissa's Personator. (laughs) Personator. I love it. They have Personator Consumer and Personator Identity Services available in the U.S. and Canada. Personator Consumer Service matches names, addresses, phones, and emails and returns a list of the closest matches according to specified inputs. That's very handy if you've got the spelling just a little bit off or a street name a little bit off, you can you can it can fix it. It's all in one contact checking. It also does verification. It'll, it'll 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 it uses the US Postal Service's system to identify moves, so it'll update moves. It also will enrich. It's a web service that can check, verify move and append to your customer information. You pass in names, addresses, phone numbers and email addresses you simultaneously parse them, check them for correctness, making conservative or aggressive corrections. You get to choose. You get the latest address. You can even append data. There's also personator identity, and this is really important. A real-time solution that can handle international customer data in a compliant way, right? Verifying customer details, such as contact information, addresses, other useful properties. Personator identity is a high value service can validate and cross-tech personal data across multiple international data sources. And it does it in real time. You'll be, it's kind of amazing. You'll be impressed by how quickly it does this. Verify individuals in real time using a variety of matching options. You can match against two sources using EIDV configurations for both sources. You can screen individuals against national watch lists. That's very helpful in preventing fraud. You can also identify potential fraud by matching a name to an address to validate identity. If it's a fraudulent name, it probably doesn't match the address. Since 1985, Melissa has specialized in global intelligence solutions. I thought they were just the address experts. No, global intelligence solutions to help organizations unlock accurate data for a more compelling view. And don't worry, your data is always safe. Always compliant, Melissa undergoes continuous independent security audits to reinforce their commitment to data security, data privacy, and compliance requirements. They're SOC2, HIPAA, and GDPR compliant. Your data is in the absolute best hands. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com. That's melissa, com acom twit we thank him so much for the support mac break weekly you support us when you use that address though make sure you use that all our sponsors you know they pay attention to that that's how they know it's working melissa.com slash twit uh thursday did anybody get it anybody get invited to the the big apple event anybody
2: nope. Bueller. I think you'd have to be an employee to get to go to that one
0: <laughs> uh know invitees included cnn
2: Oh, so this is not it this the, the not the, no, A1, the is one. We'll the talk about the AI next.
0: Yeah, CNN. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have. I, Apple had two events. This is the gaming event. CNN. Tom's Guide. You well-known YouTube personalities like Jacqueline Dallas. Oh, <laughs> uh, she D- Jacqueline is how we know about it because she put it on her Insta. Jacqueline, there she is Insta. She's standing right there. She said Apple event that truly left me so inspired and excited. It was a bunch of developers that are making apps for Apple's Arcade and Mac. You'd think she has a big YouTube channel. She could afford pants without holes in it. But I don't know. Games are so special to me because they can transcend cultural differences and are so based in storytelling and having fun. The developers were also infectionately, infectiously passionate about their new launches. Made my whole day. Would you, would you like to know the, the, the games that she saw that transcended cultural differences based in storytelling and having fun? Call of Duty Warzone Mobile. <laughs> cultural differences as long as you're not a Nazi. Honkai Star Rail, Lego Star Wars Castaways, and uh, Run Legends and the Medium. By the way, the very first comment. You know, this reads more like a PR piece than a hands-on experience. Well, did, uh, did
1: anybody check their clock and see that yeah. it's uh, once again time for Apple to talk about how much it cares about gaming? Gaming, this happens we love gaming. Pretty regularly, <laughs> yeah. every six or seven years, yeah. Apple is like, "Oh, games! Right, a big market yeah. that we really haven't <laughs> yeah. addressed in a super long time. Let's get
2: on and, that." Yeah, and GDC is in two weeks, in two or three weeks. Yeah. So, hey. uh, game developers' uh, conference is is coming up in San Francisco. So, the timing is usually. Late February, early March is a good time to talk about games. It's when everyone's thinking about them. Yeah. Yeah. I I wrote
1: a piece a couple of weeks ago. uh, I do a column over at Macworld. And uh, it was about the cultural problems that that Apple has with making the Mac a gaming platform and why. Yeah, there are technological hurdles. But I think the fundamental issue for Apple and gaming is that nobody who is a high enough position to make decisions cares about games, really. (laughs) Like when Steve... Jobs used to talk about music when you had the iPod and, you know, talked about like, Oh, I love music. And we're bringing it. This is the digital music experience. You got the sense that Steve, he was a music fan, right? Like that was something he was interested in. And that interest lined up nicely with something Apple's going to do. But then he would talk about movies or TV shows. And be like, yeah, we also got movies. We got TV shows, whatever. I, I don't think he particularly cared because I don't think they, he treated that in the same way that to him, music was kind of like this sacred thing. And I don't think anybody at a high enough level in Apple really cares about gaming and that shows because they're just as hard as they have tried to make this argument, it's not really backed up with anything.
2: So, yeah, I think that I think one of the biggest mistakes on many platforms is that people try to do what everybody else is doing. And I think Apple's doing a little bit of that, or maybe a lot of that, you know, okay, we've got a bunch of games, but they're not taking full advantage of what they could be doing. They have hardware Starts at a phone and eventually will end with a MacBook or a Mac Pro. Um, they have a um, streaming system to, to do content around that. Um, they have a lot of things that most game developers don't have, um, and they could take better advantage of that. And that might give them something that was a lot more interesting. The problem right now is that they're just doing more games, uh, the way that they are have always been done. And they're at a huge disadvantage because no one wants to play them there. And so they're, they're playing into their weaknesses, not into their strengths. Um, I think that. You know, I think that there's a lot from a broadcast perspective. When you think about Apple TV Plus, there's a lot that could be done if you started to transcend, you know, a lot of these first person shooters are not really watchable. I mean, they're watchable for gamers, (laughs) but they're not watchable for average people in the same way that large sports go. And they go, well, we filled up a stadium. I'm like, yeah, but you can you fill it up 22 of those every weekend? (laughs) No, probably not. And, um, and so there's big, there's big numbers. And the problem is the games are too complicated to watch and you could build simpler games that did a lot of things that were viewable and you know that also scaled in technology from the very basic phone all the way up and seamlessly take full advantage of that hardware um but they'd have to build that from the ground up and they'd have to stop building you know the cut the rope style games that they're building now which is fine on a phone but there's nobody, just not that many. Nobody games.
0: wants to watch you play cut the rope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I but understand, but understand the, the games, game, but I don't want to watch it.
2: <laughs> but I don't also. I you know I don't like to watch. I mean I try to watch like Call you of Duty and, and a lot I, of the Fortnite, other ones. And I'm could, just like
0: yeah yeah, yeah and Fortnite, or Fortnite or Call of Duty, uh, Quake Arena, which has been around forever. Those are pretty. Again, games, like, they're not complicated. I understand when you're talking uh, about a MOBA like League of Legends. It's like I don't know. You you really have to know even start uh, even start whatever it is. Like a football field is really simple. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like you, you understand, you can see no, everything. but no, you going say on. that because you've been you, you, you teased on the Pittsburgh Steelers. A football game is not that simple; it's complicated. Well, but a, it's but a lot f-
2: simpler than uh, Call of Duty or Fortnite. That's no, all I'm saying. Is it is oh, it, no, it no,
0: depends, depends on what
1: it
2: depends on where you're
0: coming no, from. I mean, not. there's
2: lots of people from a there's from lots a camera of camera perspective, perspective from no, a camera sure, perspective but, and understanding where you are and the beauty
0: of Call of Duty and Fortnite is you don't need a camera; the game does it for you.
2: But that's part. That's part of the problem. I mean, I think that the the issue is is that the you know the, the game the, the way that camera works. If you're not the player,
0: is not actually one of the most one experience. of the most interesting things that's happened in esports is games have started to build in the ability for a director to switch cameras. So you are you are yeah. now like Fortnite's a perfect example. I've watched Fortnite games in esports, and they can that somebody some director somewhere is saying, well, let's go over and see how ninjas doing. Yep. And, uh, and these, you know, and look at it for the third person. Look at it. As what's. Let's see what ninja's seeing. I think that that is possible. That's certainly doable. It's starting it's to get there into games. Yeah. yeah, I've
2: talked to some developers about that, and evidently, I mean, basically, when they're doing those are basically unrendered non-player characters, and the that are that are being able to be placed around in that within that system, and the the issue that they really get into is that once they're doing the development, they're getting ready to re- release the game. Putting those it's the in last is not, thing they want to do. Yeah. it's the last thing they want to do. And it's really hard to, and I've talked to people who do the video and they're like, we just want to have some more camera angles. And they're like, yeah, we don't have time to do that. We have to, yeah. we have a release schedule. Well, and so that's been the problem that they've
0: had. That's happening. And I, you know, Fortnite's been out for a while and they have a lot of developers. They have a lot of money. Uh, billions. Yeah, it, I don't think you're going to see Apple doing anything
1: with Fortnite anytime soon. No, I don't <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah, right. But
2: I don't think I think Apple <laughs> could build literally just contract someone to do something like that. And and you say, well, they they wouldn't get it off the ground. Well, if you put a ten million dollar prize for the winner of the of the tournament, you'd get a lot of people playing. You know, like you know, and then it's just a matter of whether it's a good, you know, a so good a good is, game. Is to the make issue?
0: That work. I mean, it's kind of a chicken and egg, right? That not enough yeah. gamers are no. using Macs for me to. I'm going to develop my game for Windows ps5 and xbox because that's where the
1: gamers are right well so th- this has always been the chicken and egg problem with apple right like they don't have the games therefore they don't get the gamers therefore they don't get the games this has been a problem for 20 years or more i mean as somebody you know been playing back games since like 90s you know, they didn't really they had a brief moment there. And I think kind of you can pinpoint the moment it all went downhill back when Steve Jobs got on stage at MacWorld Expo and showed off this great new game coming to the Mac called Halo. And then <laughs> Microsoft bought Bungie and it didn't show up on the Mac for several years. And I think Apple always felt a little burned by that and really struggled with trying to come back from it. And I think what's fundamentally happened is that a lot of the people who play, you know, who own Macs maybe and do everything else on a Mac got frustrated with the lack of games and went to building a PC that they could play games on or buying a console. And it's really hard to come back from that. Apple had this weird, honestly, fluke with like iOS, right? Where mobile gaming ended up, they built an awesome platform that was really advantageous for mobile games and had a lot of great technology in it. But they didn't it wasn't that they didn't set out to build that for games. They got lucky people developers on that platform were like, "Oh, this could be a really great opportunity for games but the the scale is not the same. The building the stuff on mobile is not the same as building the top tier games on the mac and i don't it's not that the hardware or horsepower isn't necessarily there. It's that the investment in time and energy from game developers to build their game for yet another platform that doesn't use tooling that's the same necessarily yeah. as what they're doing on the PC or consoles. It's just expensive, and there's no there's no market.
3: Yeah, I think I think Apple's. I think Google fell into the same trap that Apple did, that uh, or is trying to recover from, which is that you know, uh, uh, I, I think Dan had a good point about uh, about music where. At some point, Apple said, "You know what? We're gonna hire in Jimmy Iovine. We're gonna we're gonna bring in Dre. That's how that's how invested we are in making something that can compete with Spotify. Uh, they have not ever made that kind of investment. We're gonna we're gonna get the Jimmy Iovine of uh of gaming." working for us to basically who has the, both the plan, the understanding of the market and the deep, deep, deep contacts and respects of that market to basically really emphatically say, come on here. We we will take care of you for several years. This is not just a passing fancy. Whereas, of course, Google made the same mistake of like, hey, we got this great cloud game streaming platform you can actually develop for this and get this cloud platform instead of having to do X, Y and Z. And they just didn't have a level of interest in it. And so everyone very, very wisely basically stayed out of it. And I don't I don't know if Apple can ever get uh, get that kind of mojo back because the the game the, the game industry has just moved so far past them at this point where. You you really have to you, you really have to explain. Okay, the people that we're buying we're building games for. Explain to me why uh, if they're that if they're really interested in AAA games they don't already have a, a five hundred dollar game console. They haven't completely solved this problem by even buying a three hundred dollar previous generation game console. Explain to me why I should uh, we should invest several years uh, and millions and millions of dollars hoping to basically get people to put down. A A game controller that's probably already connected to a PlayStation or an Xbox and pick up a game controller that's that's hooked up to a MacBook instead. They can't make that argument. Is it worth it? Is there
0: enough money in it to make it worthwhile
1: for gaming? There is. I mean, you know, know, gaming's huge, right? Like, I think the issue is, you know, to Andy point, like there's a sense. Some of it is they they need people in there like, you know, they hired people at Apple TV Plus who knew Hollywood and knew the industry and knew how to make TV shows. They need to do something similar to that for gaming. And there's a sincerity problem. If you watch Tim Cook or Craig Fioriga get up on stage and talk about how great a game is, nobody believes them. Because if you <laughs> think Tim Cook is out there playing video games, no, he's clearly not. So you need somebody out there who really knows that market well enough and can convey that to the audience, not just, oh, there's this other cool thing, gaming. Yeah, I guess that's big. that's an- so I mean, think Carmack's the on the street. Maybe,
0: me, uh, maybe you yes, can hire yeah. him. He'd be yeah. good.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that the um, the thing that they also need to do is the advantage of them paying for these kinds of things is they have to build the most of the games that they're building or that they're promoting don't really take advantage of the platform. I mean, they they are you know they're fine games. They 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 they'll run on an Apple TV just as well as they'll run on a MacBook Studio or a Mac Studio or whatever. And I think that the the thing is is that they need to have games because the reality is is that the hardware that Apple is now producing with the M2s and the coming M threes is far faster than a console. <laughs> like, you know, and it's far it has way more horsepower. And they need to build games, even if they're relatively simple games, that just kind of are eye popping, that that kind of so the gamers can see, wow, if you write to the metal, literally, uh, that you are gonna get some incredible performance. And that starts to get people thinking about it because I mean, you can out, you can outrun these, you know, they're updating these all the time. The consoles update every once in a while and Apple can, Apple could easily, you know, especially with a Mac pro start showing some incredible performance um, that, that would be hard. And and even with the Mac minis, I mean, even the Mac minis will do better than probably most consoles. (laughs) So, so the thing is, is that it's, but it's, but it's, but you, there's nothing that they're putting out that has you go, wow, that's a great piece of hardware. It's it's all like goofy little little games that, that aren't they, pushing the processor.
1: They're targeting it from like an ecosystem perspective, right? Like they're going for like almost like a trickle up, like, oh, run on your iPhone as well as it runs on your Mac. It's like, well, we don't want the base level of this necessarily be, not that the iPhone is super low power or anything, but like going for something that runs across all these devices is a hard sell because making a game that runs just as well on the iPhone from an experience as on the Mac, in terms of things like interface, is hard and it's difficult and I think you want to target the top tier stuff that trickles downward or you know that shows off, like you said the flagship technology rather than
2: working on stuff that necessarily works as well on every device they have but that's a level I mean oftentimes at the level of detail issues so you're dealing with how how many polygons am I throwing at it so I might put you know on an iPhone I might throw 2 million polygons at a, at a, at a scene on a Mac studio I might 40 million at a scene? Am I going to have short depth of the field? Am I going to add motion blur, anti-aliasing? All of these other things that are there. And those are, those have for a long time in games have been little switches that turn on and that could be automatically on the iO. You know, oh, I know I'm on a f- iPhone. I'm going to turn all this stuff off so it plays well. It's not a matter of changing the game or the interface. It's a matter of up, up just deciding which models, which rendering engine, which part of those things are being used based on what you have in that performance. And you can scale that up to some pretty Pretty insane looking things that are available right now in real time and have been for a little while, but definitely with the M processors, um, the M series processors that they're not taking advantage of. And Apple's the only one that can really do this, where they can say, I know that you're on an Apple TV or an iPhone, and I can scale to to your point, I can scale all the way up to something that is taking, like, that would thump a Mac Pro, the new Mac Pro that comes out, or the Mac Studio that's out there. I can do something that's going to keep that running at about 90 percent capacity, you know, and, and and it'll look amazing. And when you open it on your iPhone, it'll look the same, um, but it's going to be, you know, lower resolution, uh, you know, simpler rendering, those types of things. It's no um,
0: accident, accident that when Mike Andronico of CNN went to this Apple event on Thursday, he uh, his article focused on the mobile games. That was, you know, that's uh, and I, I think because Apple sells so many iPhones, I think developers would be foolish to not consider you know mobile this is call of duty Warzone mobile from uh, activision maybe someday microsoft activision um but do you think that there's any chance of getting the desktop to be i mean i i think in some ways be honest with you and boy i'm gonna get hate mail for this pc gaming is kind of legacy um that's a small group of people that go out and soup up a PC and buy a PC just to play, just to play video games. I don't think that's a big audience. I don't think it's necessarily the big audience, but it's kind of the it's the driving not exactly the flagship,
1: but it's like it's the one that's it's the visible audience, right? And like, yeah, not everybody's going to be buying a PC to play games on, but like when you talk about stuff like esports and whatever, you know, there's a lot of visibility for those people, and it kind of trickles downwards. But I think, yeah, consoles are the big competition here. Like Andy said, you can buy a five hundred dollar console like that that puts your your Mac gaming to shame. It's tough to make the argument on the desktop. Is
0: Apple. Correct and saying, you know, we got this uh, mobile gaming. We, you know, we got it. We, we do it. We, we're,
2: we're succeeding. Well, they don't have to win to make money. So they don't. It doesn't like you know. They have. I you mean, know, the, the casual game market's about a twenty five billion dollars.
0: But the audience so. here, though, let's say, is probably not gamers. It's probably developers, right? Possibly. Or, yeah. I mean, or or consumers, right? The the, the game you think market consumers, is, is interesting. Are they trying to get well, consumers yeah. to? I mean, a consumer either has an iPhone or not. People don't buy iPhones to play games. No, but everybody who has a smartphone plays probably some games right. is my
1: guess, right? Like so it's a big address. Mostly what I think the they that yeah, think
0: that's what I mean is that Apple wants developers to recognize that and sure. develop for it. That's yeah, the chicken and, I mean, and the an you got to get developers stuff, first, but yeah. Yeah, I think they've struggled. Yeah, but I think you're right. They don't have the Jimmy Iovine. They need they need the guy who's got I, credibility. I I still think that
2: gaming I still think that uh, um, and I my first one of my first jobs as an art director for real time game, <laughs> like so it wasn't even like, thirty years ago. So I've kind of grown up inside of a lot of this stuff and I've worked with a lot of those folks and I still think gaming is constrained by its own success. You know, it does really well, but it's in its own little box. It's yeah. gonna stay there until someone starts building something that's outside of that box. And I think Apple could do that and they they do well. It's the same thing with books. I mean Apple played to trying to just compete with amazon rather than building a new market for more aggressive books 10 years ago and they haven't really moved the needle that much because of that and i think they you know they're i think we're going to probably see another
0: do you think that that this event was originally planned to be the debut of apple vr uh the rumor the latest rumor from mark german is apple vr is not coming out in the spring but coming out in june wwdc do you think maybe that, that this was planned the only, to do that? I no think the, the rumors are the only thing that anybody
2: thought was going to come out before June. June, <laughs> <Yeah. or> June <laughs> is the time you release yeah. the, yeah. the I, headset. I mean, yeah.
1: it's, I, it's I, at WWDC. I had some sources on this one suggesting that was always the intention to be at yeah. WWDC, and oh, okay. I think that's true. When there, I mean... If you see the rumors of people talking about this is a $3,000 device that, you know, we Apple doesn't really have a great selling point. And it's kind of like the the prototype for what's coming down the road. This is not something that I think is targeted at consumers as much as it's targeted at developers to build software for this device so that later on it can be sold to consumers with, hey, look at all these great apps that we have. It's not going to be the first party experiences that sell this to consumers. It's going to be the, the ecosystem and the breadth of things. And I don't think going direct to consumer with the first model of this this is this is not the apple watch this is you know
0: but it is but it is i mean at least vr in the rest of the world is really primarily for gaming yeah for now so there's i I mean gdc is coming up you you would want to have some maybe at least some some uh, room somewhere where you can invite some developers over to to show them this and say well you really need to be i mean it's
3: uh, also the see the, the thing is we keep talking about AAA gaming because that real that is the most impressive thing to show off your hardware to show off how how well your hardware can stretch its legs but apple I think last year the year before they're consistently when you when you uh, when you list the the top five companies by revenue off gaming apple is always in the top five they often uh, beat microsoft even and that's not because that they have their own gaming platforms because they have a huge app store and they make a lot a lot of money off of, in- of in-game revenue so really they can have a they can have something if, if roblox continues to be a huge a huge success apple can can continue to be a huge success like that they don't necessarily need to show we have the highest performance here's the amount of uh, polygons we can render here's the here's the amount of lighting effects we can do live here's the ray tracing that we can bounce off here's access to our version of metal they can just simply keep taking that 30 percent even adjusting it down to 15 to 18 percent off of very very simple games that are designed to run on Anything that will run on two AA batteries and can support four tricolor LEDs—that's uh, how. That's a, that's that's really what the with all the money off of gaming is being made by—not super high performance eight thousand dollar gaming PCs, but simple addictive <laughs> slot machine type games that keep people coming back keep people making purchases that will run on as many different platforms as possible they don't care about this wonderful opportunity that you have to make a unique game for the mac uh, or even a unique game for the iphone they want to make sure that can i simply can i they they only care about what audience can you deliver to me and given how lucrative uh, the ios the app the iphone audience is how proven they are as they're not just uh, there in numbers but they're also people like to spend money that's why apple uh has success with gaming it might be a fool's errand to try to figure out how to get them to uh get the next get the next cuphead get the next red dead red dead redemption too uh because it might be pretty much meaningless for them except for just having that uh be able to tell themselves that yes we are a triple gig triple a gaming platform so let's talk about that vr
0: headset dan um uh, why did we think it was going to come out sooner <laughs> Uh, i mean in large part because there are there there are stories that keep coming
1: out about it getting delayed right. and i think there's a narrative built up around this that certainly i think apple wanted to get this thing out you know as soon as possible when it was ready but this is apple they try not to ship stuff but when it's in a beta phase they try to you know want to come out and make a big splash and have it be fully functional um and so i think I think you know the pandemic and the supply chain stuff that everybody's experienced over the last couple of years has certainly slowed down development. But I don't think that it's necessarily you know something that was ever had a date. So to to say it's delayed is like, well, maybe internally <laughs> yeah, it's right. it's slowed down, but it's not like like we're going to have an AR VR headset <laughs> in next year. They never said that, right? So
0: so uh, makes sense. WWDC that's in June. This is the three thousand dollar version of the uh, Apple VR headset that would be primarily aimed at developers, so that we'll have some great games. What in Christmas
3: timeframe? When do no, you think? i What I don't, I don't even know. I, I, I'm open to the idea that Apple will actually make sure that this is well, uh, however many they're able to manufacture, and they may not be able to manufacture as many as they want, they make sure that people it goes to people who are already uh, registered developers, that you or I can't just simply say, hey, that sounds like fun to me. I'll buy a $3,000 headset to be one of the people who gets to play the first version of Apple VR Pong or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible that they really want to have that groundswell of active, actual creative and engaged developers so that when they do release something that is more consumer friendly, both in terms of having the user interface dialed in correctly, getting the weight down, getting the battery life down, getting heat problems mitigated all the stuff that makes a developer thing into a consumer device. Here is a library of actual things that we've, we figured out because one of the biggest problems with AR and VR continues to be nobody manufacturing these things or designing these things has any idea what consumers want out of this. So Mm -hmm. they're really going to have to lean on developers to help to, to find the cool, to find the usefulness, to find the awesomeness in this. And then just like with the Apple watch, (laughs) <laughs> it turns out that it turns it turned out that people wanted a fitness watch. We promoted this as a wearable uh, compu- co- computing device. It's actually a huge fitness grade device. Great. So now we will sell this. We know that we need to market this and sell this as a fitness device. Apple's not going to know how to sell their VR AR headset until Developers come out and figure that stuff out and see what people relate to. So it might be if they can only, if they can only sell 10,000 of these, which is minuscule by Apple standards or 10, if in the tens even, of thousands, even a million is, is small for them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, it might behoove them to say, we want to make sure that this is not something that people play with for a few hours, show off at the bar, show off on on their uh, on their zooms, show off on their on their Twitch and their YouTube channels, and then put it put in a box until it's time to make fun of them. Six months later, they want to make sure that this is being this is there. These are seeds that are being put into the ground to grow something that they can actually profit from in 2024. Well, you know, it is coming uh, this spring. Very exciting. Uh, U.S.
0: Department of Justice antitrust probe. Uh, Yay! Mitch's report. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, from the Wall Street Journal. The U.S. is escalating the Apple probe, uh, adding litigators, seeking more data, and all of this uh, could make it possible that as soon as this spring the department could file a lawsuit. Of course, it would be over the App Store and Apple's policies in the uh, App Store. Something Apple's not relishing, uh, the uh, antitrust chief of the United States, uh, the Justice Department's top antitrust official, Jonathan Cantor, who had recused himself from uh, uh, similar cases because he's worked for some companies like Spotify that have sued (laughs) big tech companies in the past. So, uh, but but apparently the DOJ is saying, nah, we think Cantor is uh, is okay um, for uh, pursuing yeah. this. And I'm sure that Apple's not thrilled to hear that. Google tried to get him uh, off uh, the, their case for the same reasons, saying he represented clients making antitrust complaints against Google and couldn't be impartial. The department rejected that ar- argument and is presumably going to, Reject uh, any argument against Mr. Kanter for the Apple case. I,
2: I, I will say it's kind of amazing that they're rejecting that because in almost any other case, like, as it comes from a family a lawyer, in a normal any other case, yeah,
0: a, a judge would. In any be other recused, world,
2: for sure, a, ju- a, a judge yeah. or another yeah. or another uh, lawyer. I mean, a, a judge. have judge to not it. Yeah, but
0: business. he's not acting as a judge. He's acting as an advocate. He's acting as a as an attorney. Yeah, it's, so it's gooey. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> sticky. So it's, he's worked yeah. for Spada his his firm has worked, for, not him directly, but his firm has worked for Spotify and Tile, uh, the messaging yeah. service Blix, the Coalition for App Fairness. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as he's definitely see, he's very impartial. But Lena <laughs> Khan has also written papers saying, you know, uh, Google's too big and so forth. Uh, they are acting as advocates. They're not acting as adjudicators. So, mm. uh, you know, they're not expected to be, uh, you know, completely anti- nonpartisan. Um, yeah. Justice Department investigators asking companies for internal sales and market data information on an expedited time frame indicates they might be uh, looking at filing a case soon. It's the San Francisco office of the U.S. Department of Justice is handling most of the investigation. They're closest to Apple and, of course, Spotify
3: and Tile, two of the companies who are very angry at Apple. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that does that does show that this is a broad investigation. Uh, the App Store, Apple is really in trouble with the App Store. There are a lot of yeah, because it's, it's not just it's here; it's the where- EU as well, right? Yeah, I mean this is this is this is where this is where any government can really put put Apple into a very very itchy situation. But it goes beyond that. They are talking about things like Tile complaining that hey how come how come like uh you you have a competing product but you don't warn people that the AirTag could c- c- could compromise your phone security. You only you only only when we uh, try to connect a Tile do you warn us about our device. Spotify's old beef was that. Uh, you have uh, how, how easy is it for us to compete with Apple when they have their own competing service, they allow uh, Apple music app to have, uh, to, to have a, uh rights and abilities and access to the os that spotify doesn't have it comes pre-installed on the device whereas spotify doesn't now granted spotify is still twice the business that apple music has but these are all very very relevant things to talk about when you have uh apple that, that maintains such a tight control over who accesses pieces of hardware who who gets to access nfc who gets to who gets to access uh, apple pay all these things that you, can, you and I will talk about why it's a very, very important security thing to make sure that Apple, Apple trusts itself and Apple can police itself. However, they can't necessarily trust an outside device maker like Tile, uh, to always uh, be acting above board, but they're going to have to explain that to a judge as well. So, well, and, is, and I think that the, be a big deal. the issue with Tile was they want to sell your data
2: and like the and the app and the air and the air tag doesn't <laughs> so I think that was the difference. Well, that, the warning that's the warning was and, the and that is tile's complaint
0: was that Apple uses uh you know privacy uh as a shield to to protect its market and that was well, their as a complaint. user I don't want to I yeah, don't want well, a tracker of selling course, my data. it's it it's a so. dub it's 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 two it's two two benefits in one we make more money <laughs> and your privacy is protected so I mean that I don't know if that argument is going to be persuasive. You know, this these things take a lot of time, even if the Justice right. Department files in the
3: spring.
2: I'm 100% behind it going to court. Like yeah. I, I think that, court you know, I think that having, yep. having lawmakers make decisions because they're digital children um, should not, it scares me a lot because they just don't know what they're <laughs> talking about. Having to go through, wind its way through the court system, I think totally makes sense. Well, I that's think why that should, usually
1: what happens. Congress, sounds in the EU is going to be that because the EU is going to be making laws about this already and Apple's going to have to comply with whatever comes right. down the pike there, just like we talked about. I think Apple's already earlier.
0: preparing to do that, right? There's, oh, yeah. That
1: is, yeah. The word on the street is, yeah, they're already knowing that's going to happen and they're going to get, you know, try to get ahead of it and do basically the bare minimum to keep above board right. Yeah, it's, right it's
2: buying they're just buying time at this point
0: uh the first thing they're going to do apparently is let uh, third party browsers uh live on ios and not use webkit firefox is reportedly preparing a version of firefox that uses its own engine uh would would you guys rush to the store and get a non-webkit based browser on your no iphone's way. No way! <laughs>
2: like, like, no way! It would like, just- like, it'll be it'll be it'll be it most likely be have security issues and be a power hog. Um, and so the thing is, is that I I think that it would be. I mean, it it'll be we'll we'll see, but I, I can I promise you predict- that they will also promote everything that goes no way.
0: I might well, you know I, I I use uh I used to use Firefox Focus, which is a privacy first browser, um on top and it runs on top of WebKit. It's basically Safari with stuff. I use one called Neva right now. That's the search engine I prefer. Uh, if Neva offered a, a Chromium-based or a Firefox-based uh, engine, I, yeah, I'd probably look at it. Uh, why not protect I, yeah. yourself against Apple as well as every other privacy invader?
1: It would also be interesting to see exactly what the strictures are from Apple on this, because I don't think it will necessarily be. You can run your browser engine unfettered with no, you know, no security checks. <laughs> yeah, whatsoever. we'll see. Right? Yeah. They're going to they're gonna lock it down in as some way said, and
0: prevent them from doing some stuff. They'll do the minimum. Whatever yep. they think yep. will get them off the hook with the EU, they're
2: going to do. Um, or if they can, or they'll if they don't think it'll infect them, they'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. Like they'll just let you run with it, and when you when you screw up, it'll they'll make sure it gets yeah. into the press. And so that's so, the other direction they could take.
3: Yeah, yeah but on, on the other hand, we're just coming off of a, of a massive uh, massive webkit uh, zero day that Apple had to release emergency patches across everything for. So it's not as though like Apple is a holy among holies for. They, they're just another browser browser manufacturer. And if you find that you have better faith in Chromium, if you have uh, better faith uh, in Firefox based browsers, at least that's an option. If you, if you f- have better faith in the rendering capabilities of a Chromium based engine, I think that Chromium for all of its foibles, including power hungriness, including memory hungriness, uh, I think that if you want to make, if you ha- want to have the greatest chance that what you see on your device is what was intended at the other end, Chromium is still the way to go. I, I'm very much in favor of the user being able to make those choices. Uh, I mean, if DuckDuckGo were to come up with their own, uh, their exactly. own blessed b- b- engine, being able to make their own enhancements to whatever engine, oh my goodness, that could dislodge everything for me on okay. every iOS device I own.
0: Uh, that, by the way, that bug uh, we mentioned last week, but we should reiterate uh, is is a serious zero click Privilege escalation on macOS and iOS. That's why uh, you should absolutely be running iOS sixteen three or macOS thirteen two. And if you aren't, you should update. Good article uh, today from Trellix, which was uh, the company that discovered this zero day. And you can uh, you can read about it. The Apple themselves said that the zero day was already. Uh, being seen in the wild so that the uh, bug was being seen in the wild so significant that's the kind of thing that you know uh nation states love is a zero click remote code execution uh, exploit that's what pegasus uh did and uh and i'm sure they the folks who uh, i guess the company that makes pegasus now has a new name or they closed, and then they re... I don't know. Anyway.
3: You see, it all it all turned out to be
0: fine. <laughs> you are worried about nothing. Uh, I'm sure they're looking for new stuff. Uh, this will be a, a good one. Anyway, good article in uh, Trellix's blog, trellix.com, about uh, how this works. A malicious NS predicate uh, can execute code within the privileges of the process. Uh, in Safari or messages, that means... It can run as root. And that's not good. That's not a good thing. So, yeah, I mean, Apple's not perfect in this regard either. Nobody is. No, no, yeah, right. Nobody is. Software was a bad idea. Yeah. We should probably yeah. just take it back to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah. So, here's the other event: <laughs> a WWDC for AI for Apple employees only. Because Apple, like every other company, is now at great pains to say we can do it. We can do it too. <laughs> Facebook, Google, Google had that rushed event last week. Of course, Microsoft has put has already backed down a little bit on <laughs> Bing AI. <laughs> How they restrictions take, my, my on My question it.
2: Is, is: how did how did they take J- Chat GPT, which did some goofy stuff, but didn't do? It seems like Bing, like they I, what it felt like is they added a couple of things to it to make safeguard it safeguarded or something. They added some kind of control, and it just kind of lost. I don't know. They, <laughs> well,
0: they you know, the, it's not. What, it wasn't Chat GPT three. It was a newer version uh, you know, of, right. of Chat GPT. Maybe maybe oh, it was it. newer, smarter, and more likely to fall in love with you, or <laughs> yeah. or conversely, hate your guts. Um, <laughs> try to kill you. What the happened really was a lot of people. Either. A lot of people got into long interactive conversations and pushed it long enough so that, that it's, it just came you, apart. You know, now. just like autocorrect does. If you if you go long enough with autocorrect, eventually you're going right. to get some weird stuff. And yeah, that's it's, I mean, it's reinforcing bad behavior. That works with people too. It just
1: takes a yeah, lot longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I a, was a, trying. I was using ChatGPT this morning because I, on a whim, I decided to see if it would summarize the plots of my my own oh, books for yeah, me. Yeah. Uh, it went interestingly. Some of them were close, but had things that were just glaringly wrong. And then as it went on, They got like it like invented a main character that was
3: not
2: but was it good? (laughs) Was it a good main character? That's the question. (laughs) No. I'm gonna say no on
1: that one. I thought it was kind of and then the the most recent one is just like the plot had nothing to do whatsoever. It was just like I I asked about my book and it's like, oh, that book doesn't exist. I'm like, You're sure this book from the publisher and this date? And it said, Oh yeah, totally, I know about that book. And then it invented an entire (laughs) like like a college freshman who's been put on the spot. (laughs)
3: That's great. That's really Chad GPT in a nutshell, actually. It's a, it's it's like it's like being able to go on a message board and discuss your own work with people. Like, <laughs> look, I've I've read Dan Morin's books from the very very beginning. I think I know what the ca- i I think I know which which book takes place in the Old West. Okay, I'm the, as a matter of fact, he called me to ask about stagecoach roots in the Old West. I, I, I don't don't try to pretend that you know more than I. Yeah. You know. So, what
0: do we know about this? Uh, earlier this month, Apple event. It was at Steve Jobs Theater. Um, this came from uh, Bloomberg. Mark Gurman got somebody to to tell him all about it. Um, well, it doesn't
2: look like this was a really a special event. This is a yearly event that just stopped during yeah. COVID, uh, so it just came back up. And, and okay. today's and, th- In fact, and and this week's subject happened to be the AI, AI stuff, which I think is, I think it makes sense for an internal meeting going. And part of this is probably keeping employees. At the company that are interested in this, going, hey, you know, there's a lot of public stuff going on at Google and Microsoft and all these other ones. We're doing a lot of great stuff too. You, you know, you want to see what we're doing. Um, I think that might have been part of that, uh, that also, retention uh, process.
1: I saw, I saw a headline or a story that framed this very much as Apple failed to talk about a tad oh, Chat GBT please. being competitor. And it's yeah. like, well, of course, why? No, yeah. why would they even yeah. be doing yeah, that? Yeah, that's not their thing. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's an it's, annual it's also event, can- uh, so it's not. Yeah, it's not something new. Uh, Apple does have a lot of very good researchers in AI. You, you wouldn't know it talking to Siri, but uh, there's <laughs> other things Apple does with AI, um, and maybe the there's Apple- a lot. I mean, machine
1: learning and AI is a huge yeah. underpinning of all like a lot of the stuff in the camera, right. you know, right. and photos, all of that search, uh, proactive stuff. I don't know. I I think. I think Apple has gone for a much less flashy approach to how it uses machine learning and AI, um, and I think that's probably for the it's for the smart best. Looking at what <laughs> Google and
0: Microsoft have experienced by rushing their product well, into the public, the,
3: well, I think I I I, I think that uh, Google has done a okay job and that every time they've even way before chat B- gpt became a thing they've been highlighting that hey look we've got this we've got this new model called lambda we are developing it we don't we're still experimenting with this here's some examples of what it could potentially do they released it on a limited basis inside an app it's not as part of a of any sort of a, hey open every anybody with a web browser can check this out it's like no if you're allowed into this beta you can download this app and uh, co- and test out and help uh, strengthen lambda by having conversations on these limited areas that we've programmed this app to be able to handle uh, and even as they've been trying to deal with all the bad press they've been getting about uh, about chat gpt and what is google doing they've said it's not, it's not that we can't do that it's just that the arc is the source of unspeakable power and it has to be researched <laughs> uh, and so now you see the now you see the wisdom of them saying uh, yes, we have this new thing called Bard. The only people we, we like Chat, like uh, like Bing, we too have thousands of people testing it. However, they are all Google employees that aren't allowed to, to share their chats with other people because we know that bad and weird and wonderful things are going to happen, and we want people to know about none of it. And but Apple, uh, Apple is exactly right there. Uh, we see the we see the effects of of AI research, not necessarily in uh, the, oh goodness you got this the, this monkey at the other end of a of a of an invisible window that can have conversations with you but the idea that when you are typing on uh, on a key on a keyboard on your iPhone the fact that it knows that oh okay he he hit the t a little bit off center when he was when he was writing this word i'm going to learn that Actually, that's going to that's going to influence how I interpret how he tries to type a, a T in the future. Uh, basically, trying to the, the fact that you can miss hit uh, on this virtual keyboard by a really wide margin, and it will still figure out based on how you type c- certain words, it will be able to sort of predict. Here's what I think we here's what I think you meant to do. That is where the real meat of artificial intelligence is. And, uh, today and right now, we don't have to argue about whether it's stealing uh, stealing content. From other people, we don't have to think about how this keyboard is going to put other people, uh, industries out of business. But it enhances our life each and every day. Even though there's no big patriotic flag to wave about, hey, look, we are the AI leaders right now.
0: Uh, Let's see what else is going on in the in the wonderful world of Apple. Uh, We have a departure from uh, Apple, a veteran Apple product marketing exec. Guy who calls himself the co creator of GarageBand. I don't know if that's fair. I mean, most people thought he was. This is like Xander Xander, 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 Xander Soren, yeah. yeah, yeah. He he was the creator of GarageBand.
3: Co-creator. I, I think he's co creator, yeah.
2: part
0: of that, okay. and and he is
2: integral to. I mean, for the last, you know, I I've run into him at most at <laughs> most conferences at some point, um, but uh, you know, really integral to the logic development, uh, GarageBand development. So the pro the pro audio apps is really been his. He
0: came his from focus. Sonic Foundry, so he that was his specialty was was that kind of stuff. And he was a uh, 21 years at Apple, director of product marketing for the pro apps. Uh, he, this is this is actually not something new. He departed in November of last year but people are just now learning about it i guess from his linkedin profile
1: i like that it says this cuz he's launching a wine business so yeah that's good
2: you know what that's and, great and the thing is if if you've been getting stock from apple for 20 years those golden handcuffs eventually yeah. become golden wings you know yep. and you don't really need to be here you know anymore and uh and so i think that you know a lot of times after i you do see it after 15 or 20 years if if you don't see you know you, you just in that groove. I think he's done a really good job. I think logic has come a long way since he, since Apple bought it. Um, and, but I think it is a little concerning. We've seen over the last uh, six months or so, we've seen a quite a few people leave the pro apps. <laughs> it's, a team, it's, it's a little, the number of people leaving is um, for, for those of us who use logic and, and final cut and motion and other things, a little concerning um, that so many have, have left. Some of them have been um, the remote work, you know, I know that some of them have been kind of like, I moved out during COVID, and I don't want to come back. <laughs> and, so, and so, and and uh, so there there have been a couple of them uh, that, have been, and we don't know how many of those, but a lot of them didn't want to keep on going to Cupertino. That was that seemed to be a, a fair number of folks that uh, you know that have left. Um, but also, it's it's unclear what's going on with the apps. Um, you know, where are they going? How fast are they growing? What's the investment? So I think that that I think a lot of people are are wondering. We haven't seen updates for a while. So, so I think that, I think that's a, that's also a concern. Some people think that it might be that they're getting ready for the, you know, as a development tool for uh, the AR VR initiatives, um, because there's a lot of tools that those things will need for content creation. And uh, there's a lot of those tools have already been added to motion and final cut and to some degree to to logic. And so the question is, if you're, in a more traditional round, a more traditional flow, you may not be interested in the next thing, <laughs> you know. And so, if that's what they're if that's what they're doing, and no one really knows, so those are the things. Well, we'll we'll to
0: welcome research. him to the uh, the wine country up here in the Sonoma <laughs> County. Yeah, exactly. there is a, there is an old saying uh, up here in the, in Sonoma and Napa that the fastest way to become a millionaire is to buy a vineyard and be a billionaire. And I think he may he may take that twenty one years of Apple stock. <laughs> and be sinking in into <laughs> a fine, fine business. I actually know quite, like a, the... quite a few winemakers up here, and a lot of them, I would say more than half, didn't come from a background in winemaking, were you know, doctors and lawyers and startup executives, and it's always been their dream. Uh, I hope you have a lot of money to spend. That's like the uh, the old saying in publishing, how do you make a
1: small fortune in publishing? Start with, <laughs> Start a, large with a large fortune. fortune. Yeah, that's yeah. the better way to say it. Yeah. Uh,
0: as you may know, we've reported on it. The uh, International Trade Commission in uh, ITC in December said that Apple had infringed on a LiveCore's patent. Live LiveCore is that electrocardiogram uh, device. It actually works with your with your iPhone. You put your thumbs on it and they'll tell you if you're an afib and go to the doctor. Uh, a LiveCore sued Apple saying, "Hey, that we invented that. The ITC agreed. The commission's ruling could result in an import ban on Apple Watch, unless the Biden administration steps in, and that's where Shara Aronoff steps in. <laughs> Former ITC chair in the Obama administration, she's a lobbyist and now works for Apple and has been lobbying hard <laughs> to keep the Apple Watch shipping. Uh, according to this story from The Hill, uh, she's been she's been going over to the White House trying to get president Biden and, uh, and, and his staff to, uh, to, uh, say, you know, with that Apple watch is pretty important American economy. Um, a live course CEO said Apple has unlimited resources. They're going to go after everyone they can get. And that's what they're doing. <laughs> um, now this, I, did, did he rule cause this was supposed to happen yesterday. Did he rule one way or the other? Do we know? Um, yeah. He could he, he could have vetoed
3: the ITC ruling
0: yeah. or let the dispute move forward in court. Let me see if there's supposedly, anything new on that.
3: Yeah. It's supposedly it's gonna, action's gonna happen sometime this week. I don't believe it's happened nope. yet today. The, I, I according to Reuters, thing. Biden
0: will not veto the watch import ban. So all that money Although
3: <Well, as, laughs>
1: I think John Gruber pointed out the, the Hill quotes, nine point four million dollars, which uh Gruber worked out to about an hour of its annual yeah. profit.
0: One hour of Apple profit. And- it could it could throw a lot more money at that if it really <laughs> wanted to. Well, I mean, but you know, at some point, you know, if you said if you've spent nine point four million dollars and it didn't work, would you would it work better if you spent nine hundred million? I don't know. I mean probably not. Probably not. Um a uh said the office, uh, Toy Reuters, the office of the U.S. Trade Representative said uh, that it will not veto the decision. The ban is on hold, of course, while Apple and LiveCorp continue to fight it out in court. Um, you may remember everything like that that's de- going to get solved by money. Yeah, yeah. Maybe give some of that money to LiveCore. That might solve the problem. U.S. PTO found Alivecore's patents invalid, by the way, but a Corp's is appealing that as well. Apple said today it will appeal the ITC's import ban decision. So everybody's appealing, uh, which <laughs> Apple says this is going to have a negative effect on public health. Okay, that's where you're going to go with that, huh? All right. Inter- interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna kill people. We we, we,
3: talk, we talked about this in the like how every single event they start off with you know people who would have be dead if it weren't for their iPhone or for their Apple Watch with the implicit message being you know nice kid you got there <laughs> so be ashamed be ashamed if they if they went off a ditch and they were using an Android watch wouldn't it be so there, right are, there there are there are com- competing lawsuits being filed
0: in both directions. Uh, another patent infringement lawsuit has been filed in the, against Apple in Texas federal court, which is where you where you file those. And uh, we'll just watch with interest as this wends its wins its way through the courts, as we say. Fortunately, we have some nice new emojis coming that might help us write about stories like this. iOS sixteen four public beta is out. Here's from Emojipedia a look at some of the new emojis. That is shaking face. It is a literally a shaking face. What does that? What
3: does that mean?
0: <laughs> I'm falling over. So we talked about this on Sunday, and uh, it makes good eye check. I think, ben I, I think oh, my said, eyes blurry. Yeah, said it's not for us to decide what it means. It's for the users <laughs> to decide what it means. There's now a blue heart, a gray heart, and a is that pink, plain pink yeah. heart? There yeah. apparently there was no pink heart before. There are hands. Left and right facing each other. One suggestion for those hands is they make a really good high five if you put the <laughs> dynamite emoji in between them. Also, a really good uh, talk to the hand. That's what I thought mind. it was I when like I, I first saw to it. It's hand. like talk to the hand. But it for, again, it for a clown emoji? Yeah. it's for the people. Cool. It's for the people <laughs> to
1: decide. I, I love the proposal. If you scroll down a little bit there to the gaps in the colored hearts, it shows like the like color wheels. This is oh like, my God, this, this is, is the crazy. issue where. Yeah. They don't have enough hearts in the right colors. They're grouped in the wrong place. This is like, I mean, the the stuff that comes into basically proposing new emoji is great because the proposals have to be incredibly thorough in detail to justify why... Why should we add this? Why does the Unicode yep. consortium need to add this to the list of emoji? and it's just it's a delight whenever you watch people argue so seriously about we need an emoji that re- represents yep. the
3: ginger root that is is <laughs> killing it's, us all to not really, have no, that it really it, it really is great because it, it 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 it's its illustrates two things that I love. number one, how absolutely like rpg rules nitpicky (laughs) engineers can be we're like remember last year like a, a conservative uh Press like Fox News is all like, oh, this is where, oh my goodness, there's uh, there's going to be a pregnant man emoji. This is where it's gone too far. And I was on, uh, I was asked to go on like WGN in in Chicago to talk about this, and I had to explain to them that they're they're expecting like a discussion about how, well, why uh, the acknowledgement of uh, of gender being different, the acknowledgement. And I said, you don't understand. This is because of a very bureaucratic rule. Somebody raised their hand a few years ago and said, wait a minute. We ch- we created a new rule that says that there every uh, every uh, emoji representing a person has to be genderless, but the gender is something you add with a modifier after that. So are we or are we not breaking our own rule by not have by, by having a gendered uh, pregnant person emoji? And the and the you can see all the files that were created about this, the arguments that were made about this to or to and fro before it came down to okay, we feel as though just simply to maintain not not necessarily because it's progressive, but simply to maintain our bureaucracy because if we take out one of these little bricks, the entire thing is going to collapse around us. For bureaucratic reasons, we will have this going. On the flip side of this, there is nothing that makes such, uh, I really think that a, a 500 years from now, if if, uh, if uh, sociologists want to understand the evolution of the world human culture, a big data bank is going to be the, the way that emojis have been transformed over the years. Like, uh, why is it that uh, a uh, uh, the uh, a, a syringe emoji mm-hmm. used to be fill used to be filled with red because it used to be to indicate like drawing blood. Now it's clear because now it's about like immune uh, immunology and uh, immunizing yourself. And you can see all these things where it was discovered. There was discussions about how well we need this emoji because in this part of the world there is a there is a culture in which this. You know, this ginger root is actually very, very important, and actually yeah. part of part of world culture. And here, here are reasons why the gun became a squirt a gun. Here's pistol, the reason yeah. why. Exactly. It, it really is us leaving breadcrumbs of in the most unique way and and so, subtle way of here is how uh, here is how we are talking about ourselves because emojis are really one of the very, very few, maybe even the only successful international language where if I if I send you a sequence of four emojis. Doesn't matter where you're from, supposedly. That doesn't matter what your cultural background is, what language you speak natively. You should be able to understand what I said at the other side, and, and it's it's guaranteed that it will be represented accurately on the other end of it. So I, I lo- every time there's an update to emojis, I'm all in, all the way up to my elbows. It's great. I like that. That sounds like the plot of a remake
1: of the Manchurian Candidate.
0: Andy sent a sequence of four emoji, and now must kill this senator. Triggers, uh, yes. So here's uh, some of the new emojis you'll see in sixteen four later. This spring. There's a moose. There's a donkey. There's angel's wings. There's a crow. There's a duck. There's a jellyfish. Oh, it's a goose, please. A goose, Leo. A goose. Come now. You're right. It's not Terrible a goose. It's a goose. It's a goose. Uh, hyacinth, ginger, snap peas, a fan, a hair comb. It's really an Afro pick, I think. Uh, maracas and a wooden flute. Although, just as you say, these things can change. That These are the images from 16.4. But uh, the that's a beta, and they change. In fact, uh, this is a the emoji. This article from Emojipedia shows how, in 2012, the changes between Beta 12.1, Beta 2, and the final 12.1 release of the bagel before no schmear, after <laughs> yes. schmear. People were
1: so angry about that bagel, and I can't disagree with them. It that really looks dry. Left, it looks gross. it looks dry. It doesn't
0: look <laughs> good. Uh, I can also understand, uh, you know, the anger. About the peach uh, emoji in the original beta, two, <laughs> it was very—how um, shall we describe that? Almost anatomical, but, to- but, but, to- but toxical, but toxical. Uh, didn't take long for Apple to replace it with something that doesn't look like a peach, but at least doesn't look like a butt. So
3: that's what happens. Do you think? Do you, do you honestly think that? Would, would the next stage of our positive evolution being, you know what, enough of the eggplant emoji, we're going to give you the real thing in an emoji. We're going to give you an actual, we're also going to ah. give you an actual butt. If you, if yeah, you why don't not, want to use it, not, that's totally up to put you.
0: Why human anatomy, they put a hand, <laughs> why not we, we just go all the way? Why are we discriminating? We, against- we know you're
3: going to pick one anyway.
0: Why don't we just, you know. It's a little more whimsical to have an eggplant. I, I'll, I'll I, be honest. I think you're going
1: to run afoul of that thing, the Apple system that scans for uh, uh, yeah. possibly harmful content.
0: The CSAM. They have they have officially abandoned that CSAM scanning.
1: Well, no, but for texting, for
0: parental controls, there is one for pictures. So you might run countries. nations, yeah. I always, you know, it's funny because of all the things we talk about, many of which have great import emojis always get the most attention people really, yeah. that's that's really that's that's a
3: meat and potatoes issue that's what i'm damn saying damn it the che- the cheese goes below the patty in the burger not yes. above the patty in the burger Really? i, below, de- I demand below?
0: restitution are you crazy <laughs> uh car keys is is an apple technology that's been around for a while but nobody no car but bm one bmw model was the only one apple uh, this week launched The new car key test app for iPhone. As 9to5Mac says, as adoption lags. (laughs) You can get the app. Good luck getting a car uh, that uh,
1: supports it. It's really, it's for the developers. It's for the people making, trying to make car keys. Test your car keys. Yes. I don't know that this is going to change anything. It looks like it was probably something that was already being like. It was
0: provided uh, i'm sure it now was. it's just on the app store yeah makes it easier so many people apple says we're asking that we decided just to make it available to all of you um i don't know i have a, a ford mustang Mach e that has uh you know unlock via a ford app and it only works about half the time and i gotta tell you in fact i was stuck outside app alex's studio i didn't tell you this alex because my car wouldn't let me in yeah. <laughs> Cause the I had the app and I was pressing the button and all that stuff I got the horn to go off about 12 times did you hear a car alarm going off that was me I, I did a bunch of times <laughs> oh. <laughs> I called Lisa I said I might be stuck in Alex's studio for the next day or so till I can get finally because I didn't bring the keys. Uh, I had the, I had the phone unlock now I bring my keys with me at all times because I don't trust the darn thing. Um, I'm sure apples would work better. In fact, last time I brought my car in to the dealer to get a software update, without bidding, they gave me a second key fob. They only give you one key fob because they say, well, you you don't need a key fob. All your phones work as keys. No, they don't. So I noticed that they gave they're now in the giving all the uh, owners extra key fobs because they should have. That's in the first
1: that's place. nice. I I accidentally took my car keys with me when they're I expensive. left the house over the weekend, yeah. and my wife had to go somewhere with the car. And it's like, oh, I do have an extra
0: one, but it's kind of broken. But it yeah. turned out to work well <laughs> enough that she could take the car. It's called Pack Phone as a key. That's what Ford calls it. Don't do not recommend. <laughs> Zero out of five stars. Uh, all right. I think that's i think that's everything was there anything else i i missed um there's some non-apples there's a lot of non-apple news we'll cover that uh on mm. twit on sunday and tech news weekly on thursday and tomorrow on twig in fact tomorrow on twig i'm trying to get kathy gellis she wrote tech dirt's amicus brief for gonzalez versus google and i and she's this nice. is her business i would be very curious what she uh, thinks about the oral arguments today so I will I will update you on that, but I'm hoping we can get her on for uh,
3: tomorrow. I do I do think it's fun that they uh, they've sealed Apple ones auction for oh I forgot 000. that one. <laughs> Holy cow! This makes me
0: this boy Scott Bur- Bourne's just got to be burned because he bought how many original yep. iPhones? He bought a bunch right. of them. If he just put one aside. One aside, it would have Is it brand know, new? Was it in a really it's good like new? sealed sealed unopened. in the cellophane like that? Do they still use uh, cellophane? I don't know. In the plastic. Um yeah. It sold for a record
3: breaking sixty three thousand three hundred and fifty six dollars. Oh, holy cow. Close to double what an August auction for another sealed iPhone. Which it came
1: with before. inflation was about twenty bucks more expensive than what it used to cost when you yeah. bought new.
3: <laughs> there you go. Karen Karen years.
0: Green. She was on the Treasure Hunt Tuesday segment of a, of a TV show called Doctor and the Diva a few years ago. She brought it with her and they estimated at the time that it was worth about $5,000, which is still, you know, 10 times the retail price. But she ended up getting 100 times the retail price, which is pretty, yeah. pretty good
3: it's amazing yeah. it's especially well, especially for people like in our businesses because oftentimes like we get sent something for review or something and we move or something or it gets lost in the office and then like eight years later it's like oh geez here's oh damn it here's a useless iphone one like hey i bet hey i think there are apple stickers there you tear it apart just to get the stickers and you don't care and then oh i just took sixty thousand dollars <laughs> i just took the down payment off a house <laughs> off of this <laughs> off of this phone it it, it is it does beggar the imagination on how like especially an iPhone 1 which were kind of rare and they were kind of expensive particularly at the re- the original like retail at that point that someone bought it and it just stayed in shrink wrap whether it's, it must have been like unsold stock or was it I yeah know, you really it, wonder where it came for someone from someone you broke yeah. up with yeah. yeah
0: starting bid was 2500 bucks there were 27 total bids the last bid as you say 63000 dollars wow. i wonder what the person who spent that much money f- f- for it is going to do with it
3: there, there are people out there. Once, once you have that kind of money, where money is is no object anymore. Yeah, like maybe I bet that this is someone who has. One of every Apple product still, ins- or they have one of Apple uh, of any. Uh, they completed their Apple collection in mint a long time ago, and now the either they stop collecting or the, every time they have an opportunity to buy something that is new and packaged, like old new old stock, they have to have it. And all you need is two people. As the as the uh, uh, as that so-called uh Leonardo da Vinci uh, 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 uh portrait of Jesus uh, pointed out, all you need are two people who will not be stopped and these things go insane i still i still have a copy of uh, through the looking glass like remember the first like mac game uh, still in shrink wrap uh, mm-hmm. in my office somewhere only because I I went to some sort of clearance sale of a going out of business sale, a computer store in like 1988. And they had like a whole box of them, a whole case of them for like a dollar each. I just bought five of them. And now I'm like, it's just I've never cracked the seal because I already have another one that's open. And now I'm like, oh, geez, can I maybe I wasn't so foolish to like not save for my for my future anyway. Maybe all I need to do is hold on to this one copy of through the looking glass. I love at least five dollars now. I love you. I'll get that dollar back. The the catalog
0: Uh, pros accompanying the iphone we are pleased to present an iconic factory sealed first release iphone in outstanding condition almost 16 years old the phone presents magnificently showcasing sharp corners front and back rich color and case fresh features the labels on the reverse are pristine beneath the seal and shelfware is minimal this is the first original iPhone in acceptable condition to hit the auction block since the record-breaking sale in October. A truly remarkable piece with great appeal to both collectors and investors alike. That's a little hint, by the way, to the other kind of person who might have bought this, which is somebody who saw hey, it was thirty-nine thousand dollars last year. Yeah, exactly. Sixty-three thousand dollars this year. When it'll be next year? Let's try.
3: That's what that's that's what auctions do. They get you, you've, you the the. Thirty thousand dollar auction price hits the hits the press, and then you realize that don't I have one of those back in somewhere? Or it's, it's some other guy who opened it up
0: and said it's only got eight gigs of storage.
3: Yeah. oh, Goodwill Industries, <laughs> <laughs> eight dollars. <laughs> and so and someone bought it just because they know that there's an old timey uh, <laughs> dock cable attached to it, and it's the cheapest dock original Apple <laughs> dock cable. Three thousand,
0: but I got the cable, man. I got the cable. Yeah. Did it come? Did it come with a thirty pin? Cable yeah, came with a dock. In a dock. In a dock.
1: Yeah. Wow. I got mine around somewhere, but. I have mine around, but I don't know it's if it's a dock shrink still.
3: No, it's not. Like rack. like an idiot, I actually used it as a phone because I couldn't afford to completely use used.
0: Leo's iPhone original is only slightly scratched and a slight patina. We believe that butter that butter is his jelly. own earwax in the ear cup
3: <laughs> <displays>. <laughs> Provenance. <laughs> <laughs> from the collection <laughs> uh let's take a little break
0: when we come back i would like to get some pics of the week from uh, all three of you dan Moran's it's great to have you filling in for jason snell perfect perfect uh, replacement seven months old your your little little guy or gal is yeah. um that's that's. Goes, are, you so are you having fun? Are you
1: fun? Yes, yeah. tremendous amounts of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a good age. It's yeah. a good age. Lots yeah. of laughs. Lots of
0: smiles. So he's uh, smiling and sitting up. He's not walking though.
1: No, not crawling? moving he, yet. He's not even not crawling, crawling yet. yet. <laughs> Wants to crawl badly. Yeah. Swims in place on the floor. And yeah. Oh, As soon, soon as he figures that last part out, it's yeah. going to be a uh, batting down the hatches situation over here. We used here. to
0: do, and this is thirty years ago, so times have changed, but we used to do something called tummy time where you'd put mm-hmm. the kid on their tummy and let yeah. them do that. Cause that's how they get to crawling. But the to build the muscles. Yeah. It felt cruel. It was like, like a, <laughs> if you, when you put a turtle on its back, it just seemed mean. But, uh, but, uh, Jennifer said, no, no, no. And then, and you know what? Abby's 30 years old now and she can still walk. So it's good. It's and good. crawl too. Even probably. She's so you got it like, all. Yeah. Yeah. Actually after crawling comes scooting after oh, scooting, no. <laughs> comes pulling things off the wall. So you want to really make sure you've got a, a We child, secure everything. Yeah. Childproofing. Now our show today brought to you by eight sleep. Now I have to say, if I hadn't had an eight sleep when Henry and Abby were little, I would have definitely put them in the bed and it'd be all cozy and comfy. Would have been a great way to get them to sleep, but you know what? It's a great way to get yourself to sleep. Good sleep is everything. It's the it's the ultimate game changer. Nature's gentle, nurse. And if I told you there was a thing you could get that would improve the quality of your sleep, that would give you a a great feeling in the morning when you got up, that would help you fall asleep faster, that would keep you from waking up in the middle of the night, I think you'd pay almost anything for that. Almost $63,000 for that. But this is not nearly so expensive. It's the Eight Sleep Pod cover. They make mattresses or covers. We liked our mattress, so we got the cover. We've had it for about a year now. And I, I tell you what, it is it is awesome. And I sleep so much better. If you struggle to fall asleep, if you w- waken up in the middle of the night, you know the worst thing? Waking up all sweaty, just sweating in the middle. Night sweats are horrible. Eight sleep is the solution. The cover fits on any mattress. You can adjust the temperature of your sleeping environment. It actually senses the room temperature, your temperature, how much you're tossing and turning, whether you, your wakefulness, your sleep state, whether you're a deep sleep or REM sleep or light sleep. And it features a dual zone temperature control, one for each of you. So you and your partner can set both sides of the bed and it goes down to as low as 55 degrees. That's pretty chilly. Or as hot as 110 degrees. Now in this, you know, in the wintertime, it's great to get nice and warm. In fact, that's how I said it. It's nice and cozy. But what happens is over time, the the auto... Uh, Pilot in this in the eight sleep observes your movements and stuff and kind of eases you into a deeper and deeper sleep by slowly cooling down. That's how the body works. It turns out you never wake up with night sweats. You're always comfortable, but you get more deep sleep. I added a half an hour of deep sleep every night when I started using the eight sleep. That is huge. You know that is a fifty percent for me, fifty percent increase in deep sleep. That means reduced reduce risk of heart disease, lower blood pressure, reduced risk of Alzheimer's, and just waking up in the morning feeling really great. In the summertime when it got hot this past summer, turning it down to 55 degrees, is you get in bed and you go, well, this is like a spa. I'm feeling great. This is so comfy. And, it's, and it automatically adjusts as the room temperature changes. One of the benefits, we don't have to turn on the heat at, heat at night in the winter or the air conditioning in the summer. I know it's a very hot summer right now in Australia. You will love this to cool you off. Uh, And it improves your sleep. Best in class temperature regulation. Those sensors also track your health and sleep metrics. You don't have to wear any rings or watches or anything like that. It just does it automatically. Better sleep. It's a health habit you will love sticking to night after night. Wake up fully energized with the pod cover so you can tackle whatever life throws at you. We love our pod cover and everybody i talk to who gets one says the same thing mike has got one now Aunt has one now kevin rose is the first guy to introduce me to this actually eightsleep.com slash twit eightsleep.com slash twit save 150 dollars to check out on the pod cover eight sleep currently ships within the u.s canada the uk select countries in the eu and yeah you can get in australia if you're suffering with hot nights get it eightsleep.com slash twit we thank him so much f- for supporting the show we bought it before they were a sponsor uh and i we just love it we just love it we've had it for more than a year eightsleep.com slash twit uh i think it's a good time for your picks of the week i'm just going to mention in passing i don't necessarily recommend this brand or anything but boy hard drives have gotten cheap if you hmm. need a hard drive for your Time Machine or your backup, I wouldn't recommend it as uh, running the operating system on it, but just for backups or Time Machines. Look at this Western Digital four terabyte for seventy-seven bucks. Can you believe? I mean.
3: <laughs> That's that's great. That's great for offsite backups. Backup, backup, and then give Take it to, it to your work, mom and yeah. dad. Yeah, right. Give it to a friend. So if God forbid, if you get burgled or if there's a fire, you still have an offsite, a complete offsite backup. That's that's what those little po- those pocket drives. They tend to get destroyed really easily. But for I'm going to make this backup that I'm going to dis- yeah. Going I don't travel with it, it. Lock it into a yeah. safe.
0: Yeah. yeah. This one has uh, password protection, so I guess if you did, you'd be you wouldn't have to worry about it. But I just think the idea of having Time Machine running—I actually do have, yeah. in fact, a Seagate with uh, a four terabyte Seagate running Time Machine on my uh, studio at home, and that's—I did, but that's mine great. mine died.
1: Oh, so, there it is. So, that's the one I on the backup. Well, yeah, it, it it I've been trying to crack it open to see if I can actually get the drive out because it's just not. It's, I
0: think it's just totally—they're not meant up, for definitely. long I, uh, heavy duty. No. That's yeah. a laptop drive, obviously, in there. Um, yeah yeah it's good good there's 77 bucks i guess
2: (laughs) right and there's always like the price per gig we get a lot of internal drives that we use to back up things so we just have like a little what we call toasters and we just drop the raw drives Mm -hmm. in right and right now the i think that the 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 corner of the hockey stick right now i think is about 12 terabytes um where the cost (laughs) per gig is really low and then it skyrocks up but but like 12 terabytes is like 150 bucks or 170 bucks or something like that amazing it's incredible and um and so you have two of those and then you back them up and you know but you can put put a lot on them always exact
0: yeah, to it's, my it's... mac
2: lc's 40 megabyte hard drive in oh, yeah. 1991
0: <laughs> can you imagine i mean look how far we've come it's really incredible yeah, yeah this is usb one one it's you would you know it's slow uh but uh still the price i mean 77 bucks for four terabytes get it for your time machine uh, Alex Lindsay, I'm sure, has something a little more high tech for us. What's your pick of the week, Alex? It's high tech, but it's it's free. It's free. I got a
2: free <gasps> free one here for you today. Uh, week. We had a great morning here on office hours, where we had the guys from Ross come in and show dashboard. So Ross makes this thing called dashboard. Ross uh, makes switchers and and uh, AR tracking and lots of other things, and they have this um, this control surface. It's kind of like a Crestron, uh, except that it it's a lot more flexible and a lot less expensive. <laughs> so <laughs> you can run it on Mac, uh, PC, I think Linux, or yeah. So the um, but but it isn't there is a Mac version. It's cross platform. It's free. And basically what you can do is build entire interfaces. So those interfaces can be, you uh. can just decide, I want buttons here and I just want to tap those, those things there. And, and it, it will, you can have video coming into it. You can have, so you could say, Oh, I want an NDI window right here and it's just going to have that window there. And then you have little buttons below it to cut or to do whatever else you want to do. And they made it free a long time ago. And so they, they developed these things. And so a lot of folks. Um, there's there's a bunch of folks in our group that, that use the the Ross at some pretty high level um uh events. And so we asked them to come on and there's so we got a whole hour this morning where they kind of walked us through it. But basically it's it is um it you know, it's it basically you can customize it, you can build it, it's TCP, but you can build uh parsers so you can go to OSC or to specific cameras or to other things there that are that are um put together there. And so it's it's really fascinating. Um uh, there's, you can see the Is it JavaScript. Yeah, the, it is, yeah. it is. It's all based on that. So if you know how to write that, you can build your own little nodes and other things that you want to do. And, um, and so it's, it's very, very flexible. It already has a lot of stuff kind of built into it. Of course, if you have Ross hardware, it'll just drag and drop, but you can, um, but it, it can be used with many different pieces. It's of nice hardware. that they
0: give that away because, you know, yeah. I mean, they could, they could try to keep a lit, lit on it. I mean, or, you know. Yeah, and it, but I think it, it just it makes it it, it it's
2: the interoperability makes it really easy for yeah. them that other people might use it yeah, and, uh, and put yeah. it together. So so it's uh anyway it's a really cool. We hadn't I hadn't really seen it in detail um until this morning, and I was uh, super impressed. So uh, anyway, but it's available.
0: It's cross platform and it's a uh, pretty cool and it's free. And if you go to OfficeHours.global, you can, you can, see, an hour awesome of you can see an hour it. of us talking to see an hour of it from today's show. Too. Office Hours is a great way to learn about. All kinds of things. A lot of production stuff, but, but but even I don't know, everything else. Cooking and and all all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, we, MIDI. But it's cooking but with but but with lots of cameras.
2: Burnout <laughs> so, recovery. So can...
0: Yeah. Cooking with lots of yeah. cameras. They did a yeah. couple of great days on the on the Super Bowl ads and graphics. That was really Really cool, and uh, I I'm, I can't wait to watch this focus on live sports behind the scenes. I guess somebody uh, somebody uh, at office of hours our runs a truck. Huh? Yeah, it does yeah, and nice. so, so we got to see kind of behind the scenes of them actually oh, putting cool. it together. So, oh, yeah, that's so really cool. Really that fun. was right before the Super Bowl. Well, <laughs> office hours dot global has the place to go, and of course, if you want to hire Mister Lindsay zero nine zero dot media because he'd be the best guy to run your next on-internet event. Mr. Andy Yanako WGBH in Boston, what do you got for us?
3: My pick is an app that I didn't think I needed, but it turns out that I did. Uh, it's Duet Display, which a lot of you have probably heard of. It's these, this app that's been around for a number of years that lets you use your iPad or even your whole Mac as an external display for an existing Mac. And so a lot of you are probably thinking, oh, look who hasn't heard of Sidecar. It's a free, uh, free feature built into the OS. Yeah, I know, and that's why I, did, I didn't think I needed Duet Display. The problem with me is that Sidecar... Oh, my goodness. It just it's not reliable enough for me. The number of times where I've been like in the middle of a podcast and I've got sidecar on my iPad Pro uh, basically to be here's where the recording controller for audio hijack, whatever. And I'm talking, 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 and suddenly screens go blank. The iPad goes, bounces back into iOS and all those all my windows now rearrange themselves. And I can't figure out exactly why that happens. It doesn't always happen, but it happens enough that I just don't trust it uh, anymore. Uh, so, uh, then I, so I decided to give Duet Display a try. And that thing is abs- has been absolutely rock solid for me. It's It has never once uh, disconnected from the iPad, except for when I actually told it to, which is pretty much the name of the game here. It's also way more flexible in the things that it can do. It really is uh, attacking. It's not a feature. It is an entire solution to i've got this other device with an awesome display on it uh i want to use that display as a screen rather than having it be in a drawer someplace can you can you help me do it display so uh not only will it you not not only will it work with uh, my ipad pros display uh but it will also work with uh my my phone display my android phone display uh windows machines i've got an old uh, 20 uh 2012 uh 22-inch iMac it can i can use that which is basically not good for anything for me at this point but i can use that as an external display obviously if you have a machine that's limited like an M1 uh MacBook or an M1 uh Mac mini that can only use like two displays at once that will give you a third display for free um it it works on Macs that uh, where uh a sidecar doesn't work uh duet display works really, really well, I think, optimally on uh, Apple Silicon Macs. It does work on my ancient 10-year-old Intel Mac Mini, but that's slow enough that when I move the mouse from my main real uh, DisplayPort display into the Duet display, there's enough of a lag that I basically have to take it on faith that I've moved it into the Duet display and then just sort of Be patient for ten seconds while the mouse pointer sort of catches up with it, and then it's live. Uh, So I wouldn't use it for uh, for a super super old Mac like that. But the fact is that with this one fee, I can use it on up to three different Macs that I own. Uh, And we've discussed this a couple of times. Where uh, the odd thing is that for a lot for people like me who have an iPad Pro and a bunch of Macs, the iPad Pro. Has by far the highest quality display of any computer, or actually, of any screen inside my house. So what I find I've been using uh, because the uh, the cheapest annual fee for this doesn't it doesn't support Apple Pencil uh, as an input device, it only supports it for gestures, you know, like touch, tap, that sort of stuff. But if you but if you buy it for thirty five bucks a year, it will work like a real stylus. And so when I'm editing photos, I will have. On my uh, on my M1 uh, MacBook, I will use the internal display of the M1 MacBook uh, just for uh, palettes and controls, and I will have the photo like actually in my hands with my Apple Pencil and being able to edit directly on it with uh, doing dodging and burning and and masking. It really it, it really delivers value for money. Thirty five bucks a year, so you can't own it outright, but I do find that the fact that it is a generalized solution that will give you ideas for other ways you can use it. Like, a, I don't know the next time I'm going to be traveling, I will have to do uh, like a live stream or, or video chat, like in a hotel room. But I'm already looking forward to the idea of, wouldn't it be interesting to, I've always had this idea of, uh, instead of having the chat window as a window that's sort of pinned to the top of my screen uh, and uh, set to uh, uh, always be on top, what if I had like my tiny little phone screen, Uh, and then I had the, I basically had like the, the, my webcam on top of that. And so basically I have this as a full screen window just for the chat. So there's only, the only thing that's inside here is the people that I'm talking to. And I have the full real estate of my MacBook uh, for other things. I can easily play with that. I can easily do that. It's a generalized solution. So it it delivers a lot of value for money. I'm very happy with it. I've been using it for a few weeks now. Uh, and that means that my, the one thing that is uh, kind of holding me back with my M1-powered uh, MacBook here is that I really do like to have multiple displays. That's how, like, I really am in a day-long focus mode. And with this, uh, plus with uh, the external display I've got plugged into it, uh, that's two displays, then technically a third display because uh, I've got, uh, 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 what's the, it's not Sidecar, but the, the other feature that they have where you can basically use the uh, keyboard and mouse on your Mac, yeah, on, your, control. on your Thank you very much. Uh, That's 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 display number three. And then I can have my iMac as display number four via duet display. This one thing that can basically only uh, handle one external display. Can I give you my wall of sound? My NORAD at the end of uh, of the War Games movie sort of workspace, uh, which is making me very, very happy. Thirty five bucks a year. I recommend it pretty highly.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Mr.
3: Dan. Oh, by the way, uh, Andy, when are you going to be in WGBH next? I'm going to be on actually tomorrow, uh, Thursday at 12:30. Uh, I'm going to be in studio, not at the tomorrow library, or Thursday. To, which I'm sorry, Thursday. Okay. Uh, Thursday. I'm sorry, my my. I'm I'm in I'm in uh, I'm in independent worker mode. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> uh, but yes, Thursday, Thursday at 12:30. Go to wgbhnews.org to listen to it live or later.
0: Uh, I Was confused. Dan Moran, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. you have a pick of the week? I do. You mentioned
1: sleeping and things that help you sleep earlier, and I have a seven-month-old, so let me talk about a thing that helps multiple people in my house sleep. Uh, it's called the Hatch Rest. Uh, it is a sound machine, but it's a smart sound machine, mm. which, of course, is what our sound machines need. Uh, this We have this in my kid's room. It is a combination nightlight and white noise smart. machine, but... It has a bunch of extra like, cool features, so you can use a variety of different sounds that are built in, and a, it's a total light-changing uh, nightlight, so you can set it to any color, basically. Uh, there's an app that you use for control. The version I have is Bluetooth. I gather there is a second-generation model that now is over Wi-Fi. But you can preset different things to, like, a certain color light or a certain setting of or volume of sound. So, for example, when our kid's going to sleep, we have, like, a very low red light that has white noise on. So if we need to go in, we can do it without losing our dark vision and then we get them up in the morning it plays like some birds chirping has nice like yellow light there's a light for naps all this stuff and we haven't quite gotten to this point yet but it also lets you program a schedule in so that it automatically shifts to certain presets at certain times of day so you can have that great feature that i know a lot of my friends with older kids have where it's like It's red when you can't get up yet. And then it turns green when it's like, okay, you can leave your room now. Red light, green light. You really need that because I'm looking forward to that as an opportunity to be like, please let us sleep. So it's helped. I I think it's really genuinely helped our kids sleep better. And when our kids sleeps better, we sleep better, which is the best part of all because then we're less burned out when it comes to do the fun things. So I I really dig this thing.
0: You've got such great technology now. I tell
1: you, I tell you. Used to be in your day, you just had to stand over the crib, going "shh." I did for like eight hours, and that's that's
0: rough. Rock Bye, baby. <laughs> tree, oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, this looks cool. Seventy bucks for rest or the new rest two, and there's adult versions as well from Hatch yeah. Oh. So
1: I I like sleeping with a little white noise myself. I don't want these; I just run a fan. But I, you know, now I'm envious. My kids got better tech yeah. than me, which is <laughs> I think just getting me ready. It's always going to be the case, right?
0: There's a building in town that uh, is a, a big building filled with two kinds of uh, tenants. Half of them are psychotherapists and half of them are massage therapists. And every yeah. single one of them has a white noise machine outside the door. <laughs> so the whole building is. <sighs> it's, just, it's the weirdest you walk
1: in. You fall right asleep. It That's is it's so, so convenient. strange.
0: Yeah. I sometimes go in there just to soothe myself. It's, yeah, it's, it's very, very nice. Charm. Dan, I really appreciate you taking the time with us. Oh, thanks Dan's for having books me. are out. Uh, as he said, published by Angry Robot, the Galactic Cold War series. Is it concludes with the Bayeran agenda or you got more? Well, that's come? the first one, actually. Oh, that's, I've got, uh, this got the down.
1: Nova incident is the most recent. Yeah, I was tipped to told uh, to bring my copy. Yeah, I that's the most recent. Not concluded. It, yeah. Not no. concluded no. yet. Uh, there may be more to come. Don't have anything. I can't confirm anything, but mm, there might be more nice. to come. So keep nice. keep reading find the books, Yeah, the more please. people buy them, the easier it is for <laughs> me to sell the publisher and more. So that's the best part. Start, with,
3: read, start with the I read the first agenda. two. Loved them.
0: Haven't read the yeah. third one yet. And read but the got Yep, <laughs> And then the Nova incident. If you had thought ahead, you would have put these in alphabetical order. But okay, no problem.
1: I know people get so <laughs>
0: critical about this. Uh, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, so great to have you on. I appreciate it. Sixcolors.com and Macworld Magazine. And of course, the incomparable. Uh, you saw that Zeppelin floating behind him. His Mastodon instance is zeppelin.flights <laughs> at DMorin. Zeppelin.flights. I am so jealous that Jason got Zeppelin. (laughs) (laughs) Flights. There was not weirdly a lot of clamoring for it, but he was on top of it. No, he got it. It He was in there. In fact, I think it stimulated a fairly long conversation on Mac Break or maybe it was on Twit, about Zeppelins and dirigibles Mm -hmm. and fixed, rigid uh, Mm -hmm. thing, balloons. Rigid airships. Airships. And I got uh, got somebody joined our forums who is the pilot of the Goodyear blimp. (laughs) <laughs> and I said, because he, he said, he was talking about what we said, and he said, yeah, I, I know a little bit about this because I fly him." I said, you do that for a day job? He said, yeah, for a little company called Goodyear. You might have heard it. <laughs> and uh, I said, if you're ever in town, raising my hand, oh, <laughs> and you know what, since you, since uh, since Jason's in uh, the same area, if I get to go, we'll bring Jason, and then Zeppelin.flights will take flight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy and I need
1: to find the hood blimp guy. Is there still yes. the hood blimp still
3: around here? Hood, oh, used to H P Hood, yeah. the the yep. dairy company. The dairy it, company. Yeah. The, every time, every time I'm in town, I know that there's a Red Sox game. If I see the hood That's blimp, the hood like up there over Kenmore right. Square, <laughs> you know, it turns
0: out there's quite a few uh, jobs out there piloting blimps. <gasps> there it is. We knew the hood blimp. It's in slash I slash Baston.
3: Just be careful of any aircraft fire. Things are tense right now. Yeah, right. It's weird out there right now. Do
0: not, Oh, whoa. Do not drive a blimp these days. Hey, everybody. It's Leo Laporte, the founder and host of many of the uh, Twit podcasts. I don't normally talk to you about advertising, but I want to take a moment to do that right now. Uh, Our mission statement at Twit, we're dedicated to building a highly engaged community of tech enthusiasts. That's our audience and you, I guess, since you're listening by offering them the knowledge they need to understand and use technology in today's world to do that. We also create partnerships with trusted brands and make important introductions between them and our audience. It's how we finance our podcasts, but it's also, and our audience tells us this all the time. A part of the service we offer, it's a valued bit of information for our audience members. They want to know about great brands like yours. So can we help you by introducing you to our highly qualified audience? And boy, you get a lot with advertising on the Twit Podcasts. Partnering with Twit means you're going to get, if I may say so humbly, the gold standard in podcast advertising. And we throw in a lot of valuable services. You get a full service continuity team supporting everything from copywriting to graphic design. I don't think anybody else does this or does this as well as we do. You get ads that are embedded in our content that are unique every time. I read them, our hosts read them. We always over deliver on impressions. And frankly, <laughs> We're here to talk about your product. So we really give our listeners a great introduction to what you offer. We've got onboarding services, ad tech with pod sites. That's free for direct clients. We give you a lot of reporting so you know who saw your advertisement. You'll even know how many responded by going to your website. We'll also give you courtesy commercials that you can share across social media and landing pages. We think these are really valuable. People like me and our other hosts talking about your product sincerely uh, and informationally. Those are incredibly valuable. You also get other free goodies, mentions in our weekly newsletter. That's sent out to thousands of fans. We give bonus ads. Uh, to people who buy a significant amount of advertising, you'll get social media promotion too. But let me tell you, we are looking for an advertising partner that's going to be with us long term. Visit twit.tv slash advertise. Check out our partner testimonials. Tim Broom, founder of IT Pro TV, they started IT Pro TV in 2013, immediately started advertising with us and grew that company to a really amazing success, hundreds of thousands of ongoing customers. They've been on our network for more than 10 years, and they say, and I'll quote Tim, we would not be where we are today without the Twit network. That's just one example. Mark McCrary, who's the CEO of Authentic, uh, he was actually uh, one of the first people to buy ads on our network. He's been with us for 16 years. He said, and I'm quoting, The feedback from many advertisers over those 16 years across a range of product categories is that if ads and podcasts are going to work for a brand, they're going to work on Twitch shows. I'm proud to say that the ads we do over-deliver, they work really well because they're honest. They have integrity. Our audience trusts us, and we say, this is a great product. They believe it. They listen. Our listeners are highly intelligent. They're heavily engaged. They're tech-savvy. They're dedicated to our network, and that's partly because we only work with high-integrity partners that we have thoroughly and personally vetted. I approve every single advertiser on the network. If you're ready to elevate your brand and you've got a great product, I want you to reach out to us, advertise at twit.tv. So I want you to break out of the advertising norm, grow your brand with host red authentic ads on twit.tv. Visit twit.tv slash advertise for more details or email us advertise at twit.tv if you're ready to launch your campaign now. All right. Thank you, Andy and Atka. We'll look for you on uh, Thursday on WGBH in Boston. Mr. Alex Lindsay, we'll see you at officehours.global. We'll see all of you right back here Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1900 UTC for Mac break weekly. If you can't make the live show, don't worry. You can always download a copy from our website, twit.tv slash MBW. Uh, you can also watch on YouTube. There's a Mac Break weekly channel there, or just, you know, I think the best thing to do is subscribe using a podcast client, you know, pocket casts, overcast. Oh, speaking of overcast. I just remembered who's going to be on next week. Oh, mm. never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Marco Armant joins us next week. That'll yes. be a lot of fun. Um, so get Marco's app, download uh, Overcast, and then uh, subscribe, and that way you'll get it the minute it's available.
3: First In my defense, he's very much the Liza of Mac development.
1: <laughs> yep. Liza. No, like anybody's ever said that before? I don't know it's what that, that, that
0: means. <laughs> oh, if Liza me, Minnelli? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Nowadays, with all the AI, if you say Eliza, that's different, right? We don't, <laughs> We don't mean that. All right. What do you mean when you say (laughs) Liza with a Z? Uh, Oh, there's the Goodyear blimp flying somewhere on Twitter, apparently. Actually, the Goodyear blimp's tweet says, don't shoot. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What else? Oh, I was going to mention, if you are a member of Club Twit, you get a very special edition of this show, ad-free. You also get... Add free versions of all of our shows. You also get Micah Sargent's Hands-On Macintosh. That's a club-only exclusive right now. That's where we launch new shows. We also have Hands-On Windows with Paul Thorot and the Untitled Linux Show and Stacey's Book Club and a lot more special events in there. That Discord is really fun, too. You'll get access to the Club Twit Discord uh, plus the Twit Plus feed with uh, content you don't get anywhere else, including conversations before and after shows, things like that. Uh, we invite you to join the club. It's merely 7 bucks a month, $84 a year. There's also a corporate membership. In fact, we just got a new corporate member, uh, and I want to welcome them uh, to the club. It's great to have you. Twit.tv slash club twit if you want to join in the fun. And I know a lot of people join just to get the ad-free versions of the shows or just to support us, Uh, but I have to say, if you haven't tried the Discord, get on in there because there's a lot of great stuff. (laughs) A lot of great animated GIFs going on. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Get back to work, though, because break time is over. We'll see you next time with Marco Armitz. Bye-bye. Hey, I know you're super
1: busy, so I won't keep you long, but I wanted to tell you about a show here on the Twit Network called Tech News Weekly. You are a busy person, and uh, during your week, you may want to learn about all the tech news that's fit to, well, say, not print, here on Twit. It's Tech News Weekly. uh, Me, Micah Sargent, my co-host, Jason Howell. We talk to and about the people making and breaking the tech news, and we love the opportunity to get to share those stories with you and let the people who wrote them or broke them share them as well. So I hope you check it out every Thursday right here on Twit.